Hey guys, welcome. Episode 25 of the 831 podcast. Um, I said I had a few of these ready to go back to back. So here we go, this is episode 25. Not really a lot of other things to go through because I spoke to you yesterday, but I hope you're all getting through lockdown okay. Hope everything's okay and maybe you're listening to this, you know, in September and the lockdown's just a distant memory now. Or maybe we're still in it and you're just going for a back catalogue. Who knows at this rate, but um, I hope I hope that the, the lockdown's going okay for you all anyway. Um, as usual, thanks to sponsors, Trojan Fitness, Trojan Nutrition in Bristol, long-term sponsors. The Cloud Seller Limited. Um, quick shout out to gyms that I train at. I teach and train at A3 Academy Bristol. And I teach and I train at Sweatbox Bristol. So Pedro Bassa BJJ. So that's a bit of housekeeping. Let you know about some sponsors, people you should look at, look out for, etc. Yeah, number 25. This is Jamie Flynn. Um, Great guy, Jamie. I met Jamie a few years ago, base jumping in paraglide, uh, base jumping in skydiving over in America, and since then we've remained friends. Jamie's a professional base jumper, and he's done some pretty awesome stuff. So, yeah, watching watching Jamie on YouTube and looking for his videos, you'll you'll see some awesome stuff with Jamie. He's honest, he's open, he's funny. Former uh, paratrooper, some tours in Iraq, tours in Afghanistan, has some awesome stories. He's just a cool guy to sit down and chat with. So I really enjoyed this one and I think you will. So have a listen to this and episode 26 isn't far away, guys. I can assure you in the next few days you'll have episode 26 as well. But for now, this is episode 25 and it's Jamie Flynn. Okay, Jamie, thank you very much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me, mate. It's good to see you again. Yeah, it's been a while. I've been uh, ever since we had like, um, you and I were strange because we had like a little meeting whilst I was traveling. We met each other. Then we met each other again. Then we sort of connected and then we saw a lot of each other over a small period of time. And then I fucked off back to the UK and you stayed. And you fucked your life up by going back to the UK. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. So a little bit of uh, history. We met skydiving, right? And then, do we meet skydiving then base jumping? Was it that way right? It was, wasn't it? I thought I met you at the bridge. Did I meet you at the bridge? Was it the bridge we met first? Maybe it was Perrine then, yeah. Maybe it was Perrine and we were packing and we started talking there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we got talking. Then we uh, then it was probably skydiving. I think then it was um, boogie down. It was Eloy. Did you come to Eloy? And then from Eloy we went to Turkey Boogie. Turkey Boogie, yeah. Or Turkey Boogie than Eloy. I can't remember. Fucking one or the other. Yeah, one or the other. <laughs> just uh, you meet. Sometimes you meet people, right? And you just uh, no matter how long you've known each other, you start talking. And I guess if you're two Brits in America as well, that, that makes a difference. But um, yeah, yeah. Fucking, you just get chatting and sometimes you're just like, oh, look, there's a fucking bond there that you just don't, you know, you just, it, it doesn't even seem like you didn't even know each other five minutes ago. But yeah, exactly. Pretty fucking cool. Man. So it's good. Yeah, I wish it was really I cool. that much now though, but I think we're all, <laughs> all stuck. <laughs> we're all stuck, mate. Yeah, it's, but like, as we were just saying off there, like, like it's bad here, especially for, for like myself who does everything outdoors except 
teach classes indoors, which now I can't even do. Everything's gone. You're sort of like, I always looked at people without hobbies and I'm like, what are you doing with your life? And now I look at them like, you lucky bastards. Yeah, man, I, I don't know. I don't know if you remember a post I put up like maybe six months ago and I say, it said something like, if Instagram, when you remember when Instagram shut down and yeah. Facebook shut down in that time and I went, oh, I imagine all these fucking models you know, that when Instagram fucking crashes, fucking, they haven't got anything to go by. And now yeah. look at all us athletes. All us athletes have, haven't got a fucking sport to do and now have nothing. <laughs> We're like, okay, great. <laughs> exactly. Like, literally, I kept, like, even I was thinking through all of this, well, at least we'll be able to go fishing. We can't, like, we can't even go fishing. You're not even allowed to walk to a lake or because they've shut all the lakes. You can't do anything. I'm like, well, right. So I literally... I've got podcasts and some writing and that's it. Yeah. Well, they sort of shut down. They've shut down the chief and they've shut down a bunch of stuff around Squamish. So we can't actually like to try and limit the tourists coming here. But, you know, like, what am I meant to do? Like walk my dog, you know, like my dog is it, like I live in the back country. Right. So it's like, you know, they, I'm not going to see anyone around for for miles. So it's kind of good. But then you just can't park. So now you've got to like ride your bike there and then take your dog for a walk and then come back you know rather than drive your car there and whatever but yeah they've shutting everything down but people aren't really listening over here so the same here is a bit better now but it's like for me i mean obviously i've got a lot of conspiracy theorists mates i never trust the government so but even if you question something in my mind i was always saying from the beginning just conform or they're going to take your civil liberties. If you don't conform, they'll enforce something and the option will be taken away from you. People just don't listen. And the next thing will be like, we'll have the army on the streets if people keep ignoring it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the army going to fucking do. There's not enough of them. <laughs> yeah, but, but we didn't have enough nurses a minute ago. But <laughs> What's his name from the Philippines is going to shoot people. <laughs> oh, hey. South Korea, the Philippines, all the, them lot are like, they're not messing around over there. No, no, they're, they're pretty messed up. Did you did you see that video I posted this morning of uh, the skydiver? Um, you should check it out quickly while we're fucking on here. He uh, He's a flat earther. He was on that Behind the Curve documentary on Netflix. Uh, I met him at a skydive center and he told me that he didn't believe in gravity. So I quickly took myself off the jump. I was like, I can't, I can't do this. If you can't believe in gravity, how are we meant to, how am I meant to believe that you can safely be around me in the sky? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I bailed from the jump, but um, yeah, he fucking, uh, he went around like a hospital in Vancouver trying to prove that COVID-19 doesn't exist. Happened, happened over here as well. The guy over here did the same. What happened to this guy? Uh, it was just on the news yesterday. So we're waiting to find out. I'm oh, pretty... our, guy got, our guy got jail. Got, he got three months. I think he got straight away. Boom. I think he got three months jail straight away. Fucking right, mate. I mean, they got him on. Um, so part of me, I'm, I'm a bit uh, torn because part of me is like, hang on a minute. It's a publicly funded building that he's walked into as a member of the public. But they got him on distress for NHS workers, distress to staff, because I obviously see the other side, because I'm not an idiot, of you're risking people's like health. Like, yeah. what, what are you doing? So I get part of me is like, well, hang on a minute. How are you arresting someone for entering a publicly funded building yeah. and then sending him to prison? But at the same time, I'm thinking, like, you deserve it because you're a, a massive asshole. 
Yeah, no, and it's true. You know, like I, I, I'm, I'm torn sometimes when I read these things. Yeah, but like, I don't know. Like the guy, yeah, sure, you can go and investigate. I have no problem with you going to investigate if you believe this is true or not. Yeah, but when you're putting other people at risk, then you're then you're just being a dick. You're not you're not investigating. You're just trying to push people's buttons. Because the thing is, if he does infect people, then what's going to say, oh, I didn't think it was real. That's why I was there. Well, tough luck, dickhead. You've been like, yeah, yeah. People, people are people are morons. And it's like I say, it's one of those things where even if it's not real and we're being duped, this is not my belief. <laughs> even if it's not real and we're being duped, you're playing into their hands by going there. You're going to help them take liberties. So what? What the, what's going through your mind? Why are you? Do you think you're going to be remembered as some savior who saved everyone from the hoax that the government was pulling over their eyes? Like, yeah, I don't know. I, the government can't organize a piss up in a brewery. I don't know how they're going to fucking pull this one off. Yeah, it's, uh, I but but I do believe, and I'm not a conspiracy person at all. Um, but I do believe there's uh, something else going on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, either we're not being told the correct numbers or we're not being told the bigger picture of how like people there's a lot of stuff that the government won't tell us because of safety and trying to keep uh people from stressing out or losing their minds or whatever else so i do think that there's fucking there's something out there that we're not being told because this is an extreme thing to do for what's going on yeah, that, that was always my thing when I was posting, was I would say the severity of the government's actions don't correlate with what's what's being released figures-wise. And then the UK government passed that law the other day saying they can forcibly take tests now. And I'm like, hang on, there's not even tests in place. How can you pass a law? Everyone might conform and everyone might take the tests. Why have you passed the law to forcibly detain and test people before the tests are available? And part of me thinks um, the best case scenario out of this is that the virus is real and it's as bad as they say. And that's a worrying thing. Because is it as bad as they say or is it worse than they say? Worse or is exactly, yeah. Now that's, that's where I'm starting to, like, and I don't normally go down these fucking weird rabbit holes. Usually when I see people doing conspiracy and some of your posts as well, I sit there and I'm like, okay, don't read it, don't read it because <laughs> you're, like, you're going to go down a rabbit hole of social media fucking... Yeah comments so I, I i understand it but it's like just being in the army right and understanding like how they treat how they withhold information from you when it's worse than it is i'm like that's on a small scale compared to the government who's got to look after however many billions of people there are on that little fucking island that you live on yeah. you know so uh i think they, i think they, i think is i'm not a conspiracy person but i definitely think there's uh there's something more going on. I don't yeah, know. Like, so I get, I sort of get labeled in with the conspiracy guys and I'm not really, I just, like, I question everything. If they, like, if the government says to me, there's a really bad virus, it's killing people, you need to stay indoors. I've got questions. I'm not like, I'm not a conspiracy guy. I don't immediately think, no, that's it. They're trying to take everything from us. That's not how my mind works. My mind automatically goes, what's the virus? Where did it come from? Where is it affected? How's that responded? What have you put in place for the... Automatically, my brain goes questions, 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 questions. The same yeah. with anything. That could be base jumping and we go to the bridge and you're like, oh, I jump a 
a wingsuit on. I'm like, well, how does that work? Why does that work? Oh, do you need this? How do you? Straight away, I'm questions quick because that's that's how I work. I need to know everything, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you get lumped in then with conspiracy guys, though, and then as soon as you give an inch to the conspiracy lot, next minute your walls full of David Icke videos. <laughs> and I literally happen to say to people, I'll never watch a David Icke video. Stop. No matter how good the evidence is, I'll never watch it. Yeah. Please don't post it. You know, but yeah, it's one. I think the most thing I watched was fucking behind the curve video on Netflix, <laughs> and that same dude, the one I was just talking about, yeah, mm-hmm. he's on that documentary. That's, yeah. It's nuts. It's nuts, and and they they actually prove themselves out of a job. They actually prove themselves at the end of the documentary that the Earth's round. Yeah. And they say, well, it's fucking wrong. We made a mistake. You know, like it's still flat. You're like, you guys want to believe? What do they say? The science. Uh, these people, they they rather than science is trying to believe, trying to work out what is truly the truth. Rather, these guys have gone to the end of the the thing and said, this is what I want to believe. Let's try and backwards work it to make sure that that is the end result. So yeah, they do exactly. backwards rather than how science is meant to be done. And yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. And then, then what they do, everything they find then is confirmation bias or call to authority. There's no nothing. Then becomes evidence because they're like, yeah, but what about this? And like, yeah, but that can be disproved. Yeah, but that was it. And you're because like, Neil deGrasse Tyson says it. He says, listen, I'll give any person on the planet five minutes of my time. He said, any man on the planet, he said, no matter what they believe, he said, and I'll speak to them, he said, and they'll say, okay, what about this? And I'll say to him, okay, well, the evidence for that is this. And they'll say, okay, so what about this? And he said, yeah, okay, but that's fine, but I can disprove that with this. He says, and they say, yeah, but what about, and he said, then I look at him, I'm like, you know what? Our conversation's over because I already know now, no matter what evidence I present to you, you're going to throw something else up. You're not looking for the, for the truth. You're looking for a way to prove everything wrong. He says, so we've got no conversation. There's no, there's no point that's com- communicating anymore. And I thought that's quite a logical way of looking at things, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, yeah. What are you going to do? You make like, unfortunately, Darwinism wasn't strong enough now that, we're, now that we choose to save people, I guess. Oh, now we got fucking social media where you can find someone that believes your fucking bullshit. You know, mm-hmm. like, dr- drink your own Kool-Aid and... Uh, <laughs> have someone to support you with it you know yeah, i mean i'm li- listen i'm i'm one of the worst people because i post so much stuff just to antagonize like i'm bored at work or something oh, it's quite, and i'll post it just to sit back and watch the comments yeah, and yeah sometimes yeah. i'm like, like i'm bad like that because i'll start i know it's going to be antagonistic but i do it anyway so i i am part of the problem definitely I do, uh, I do that obviously i've got my athlete pages which i try and keep like non-religious non-political non-argumentative and i'm good at that that's my instagram and my facebook yeah age thing but then my actual individual profile it's just got my friends and shit holy fuck i'll, I'll write whatever i want on there and really piss people off and i'm like oh do you, you know like i don't know I, I enjoy seeing how people react yeah like and then you realize sometimes that my humor is a little bit darker than some of the others yeah i yeah. hope <laughs> posted a picture the other day and uh it was a an it was a thing that said Anne Frank uh hide and seek world champion 1942 to 1944 and I sent that to a couple of friends and said I'm trying to become the next world champion yeah (laughs) and I thought it was fucking funny I mean it's not funny what happened to Anne Frank I just thought it was fucking 
kind yeah. of you know like there's 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 you can find the funny side and all that i get a couple of messages saying that's not funny i was like whoa <laughs> <laughs> i mean i would laugh there's no two way like we, i'm not I, i'm just like i i do find really dark stuff funny you know yeah, that's my obviously a joke it's obviously a joke and it's funny like it's what what are you not getting like i think a lot of people like that though are just virtue signaling they're not it's not it's just i'm not going to find it funny because then people would judge what i find funny as are me i'm very much if it makes me fucking laugh i laugh if you want to judge me for it carry yeah. on I don't know the person who who did that. I got I got a lot of respect for the person who said that it wasn't funny. Yeah, yeah. so I think it's a, a cultural thing with Canadians and British people, you know. Mm -hmm. And then you've got British people that are in the military as well who've got a really warped sense of humour. So, you know, I think the person who who said it wasn't funny was just like he's come from a Canadian background, and I've come in being like, yeah, I just don't give a fuck about all this fucking comedy shit. <laughs> I mean, there's like. Is one of, I think possibly if you're gonna look uh, to people to gain your morals and ethic um, standards from, probably a professional MMA fighter and a ba professional base jumper are not your go-to guys <laughs> for your morals and ethics. Maybe look elsewhere. Possibly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. My morals aren't in the right place all the time. <laughs> yeah, but what people won't understand is your your buddy Mike, if he knows you, is it? The last thing you're looking to do is offend anyone. If you just find it funny, you send it. You're not looking to cause anyone offence. And if it's offended, they'd be like, shit, buddy. Like, I didn't, didn't mean to offend you, but yeah. Yeah. I Yeah. I But then a, a lot of times, I offend a lot of people, especially over here in Canada, where their sense of humour is not as... That, I mean, they've got a good sense of humour, but it's more of a childish sense of humour. And it's kind of nice because you can, like, say, so, you know, you can fuck around like you did when you were a kid. In the UK, you gotta be aggressive with your banter, and you gotta be like on it and fucking like I'm gonna rip into the soul of you just to make everyone else laugh. Yeah, yeah. you do that over here. People look at you like um, uh, I'm just gonna go home, and <laughs> maybe we're not friends anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, piss taking banter is definitely more more in the UK. Definitely. Yeah. People don't get it. I had uh, this one kid when I was ski patrolling at Grouse. I had this young kid. He was 19 or 20. Anyway, he reminded me of me when I was younger. So I was like, fuck it. You know, like, I'm just going to make sure this guy gets, you know, he's a good kid. He just needs to kick up the ass. So I just kept, like, beasting him and taking the piss out of him and making him. Anytime I would get told, because I wasn't the supervisor. I was just another guy. And someone said, oh, go and, go and put up this fence. And I'd be like, oi, buddy go and put up the fence and he went but you were asked to do it and i was like yeah but i'm not fucking doing it i just told you to do it and he would go okay i'll go and do it and i used to do that and he would go and do it and i would then go and help obviously but like i would always constantly rip on him one yeah. time he kept coming in and it was like 703 in the morning it was like uh, but our start time is 7 a.m so every time he'd walk through the door i'd be like dude you're three minutes late what the fuck are you doing and he would oh but it's it I was like, no, no, you're late. And, he was, and the supervisor's like, Jamie, fucking cut him some slack. Anyway, I, <laughs> he told it after about a week or two of me ripping into him for being late, he decided to tell everyone, I'm going to come in at 6.30. I'm going to be here before Jamie. Fucking, he's not going to have anything. And then I'm going to wait for him and be like, I thought you always say good people are five minutes early. Yeah, and I'm going to rip into him. 
yeah and everyone came and told me behind his back so i came to the i went to the patrol cabin at 6 a.m made breakfast had pancakes bacon coffee my newspaper sat full uniform sat there when he walked in he was like what the fuck do you just sleep here and i was like <laughs> Like what I'll do for a bit of comedy value. (laughs) That's your military background coming out there, mate. It's like I will go, I will get up earlier just to fucking fuck with you. So uh we touched earlier, like we met um we met base jumping, skydiving, etc. And you are now a fully fledged full-time professional base jumping athlete. You would say you are, yeah? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. So what was your road? How did you... I mean, obviously, go. you said military as well, so touch military. Touch us on the military and your path through military to base jumping. Oh, yeah. So I think well, when I was 16, I joined the army. I went to a thing in Harrogate called the Army Foundation College. Yeah, it's like a year-long college thing to get young people into the army, right? Um I got into I played rugby for the for the for the army junior team went to Canada actually the first time I came to Vancouver which was also like the seed for me coming out here yeah so that was back in like 2003-2004 anyway like pretty shortly after I went to the parachute regiment and I was probably probably still one of the younger guys who passed that selection process I think I was just turning 17 or or just at the end of being 16. Anyway, I was fucking young. And uh, I got through it all and then went to Bryce Norton in Oxford and did my first parachute jumps, like 600 feet under military rounds at night time. Fuck it. Yeah, it was shit. Yeah. And that is how, like, as a civilian, and you look at, like, the accelerated freefall course or static line course and all the shit that they have to do and all these safety briefs, yeah, like the military was like, no, nah, just feet knees together, a couple of days of training, and then like out the door you go. Like, and you do you do eight jumps, and you're like, yeah, you're qualified. Here's your wings, and you're like, oh, fucking hell. Yeah, it's the scariest thing in the world because it, that's it's only the insertion technique, right? It's not actually like like we would do it for fun. Yeah, this is like we're gonna jump in and then we're gonna go to work for two, three, four weeks. Yeah. 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 It's literally just your taxi to work. Yeah. And, uh, and people realize that's the fucking most horrible part of it. Yeah. They, I think the military have a, a 20% injury rate on every parachute descent. Yeah. Right. Wow. So fucked up. Yeah. And you're, so. ca- you're carrying all your kit. You're under, for people who don't know the definition of, ra- like, you're under a military round. So it's a big round canopy, not steerable. Is it steerable or not? No, no, it's not steerable. Not, not steerable um it's a big round canopy usually with a, a hole in the top to help descent rate um and stop oscillation right that holds to stop oscillation oh man i don't know I but believe it's to stop oscillation and then but so you just jump out the plane you're under you got all your kit your burg and everything gun etc and then you're just falling under this canopy with the wind drift and whatever else is happening yeah the descent rate and then you can't fucking land anyway you're just like you're actually told, like, feet and knees together and accept the land and you get given is the word <laughs> that they fucking tell you when you go through jump school. <laughs> except, uh, the, except the land and you're given. Well, I haven't got a lot of fucking choice anyway. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean that they were like some of the most hardest landings in the world I, I've ever had. Yeah, and with army boots on as well, not with like soft trainers on. Yeah, army boots. Fucking army boots on, like you, your equipment is like on this rope, like it's fifteen foot bit of rope. So you'll be like, have I lost you? Oh, did I lose you? No, I'm here. Can you got me? Oh, yeah, yeah, I got you now. Uh, yeah, you you got this like fifteen foot bit of rope that's attached to your bergen. So like. As soon as this is all at like 800 feet, right? So you jump out, you check your canopy, you look around, make sure no one else is around you. And there's always fucking people around you because there's a hundred blokes getting out of a plane at the same time. Yeah. You've got to try and steer away because the parachute's air is coming this way. Yeah. So you get air stills. So like the, if a parachute goes underneath you, it burbles, oh. you lose the parachute in that all that time when you're steering away, you've got to like lower this equipment. So you've got to reach down like, arch really hard find this fucking red handle that you can never see because you've got all this fucking equipment you reach down you like throw you know release it it cuts it away and then it's a 15 foot bit of rope but it's like 300 pounds of equipment yeah so imagine like 300 pounds dropping 15 feet well it's attached to your lower back yeah <laughs> it would just like snap you you're like fuck and then you're like, okay, cool, that really fucking hurt. And then you look around, make sure no one else is there. And then as you look down, you're like, the ground's there. And then the, the Bergen hits the ground and you feel it slack. And then you just know you're getting dragged down and you just like pound in hard. And then you've got to like, really, you got to cut away these things called cape wells, which is these little metal on your bottom of your risers. Then you got to like reel in this parachute and then you got to get your equipment and undo all the straps. And then you got to put your, your Bergen on. And you get this fucking parachute that's, the biggest parachute, like, no, if you get, like, two AFF unpacked rigs, that's probably smaller, yeah, <laughs> than the parachute. Yeah. And then you got to, like, hump that off the uh, off the DZ. So you could be, like, a mile from the RV, and then you got to, like, walk all that way with all that equipment. Yeah, get your weapon out, fucking whatever, get there. And then as soon as you get there, you reorganize, and then you go into, like, whatever the exercise is, is, like, but usually because it's parachute, you know, parachute regiment, you know, we don't, it's not World War II anymore. You know, we don't parachute into the enemy fucking position. You parachute like 15, 20 miles off the fucking target. You so, your way in. So walk all the way in, you know, and usually at that point they know you're there. So you got to actually like walk very fucking fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you get there, then you've got to fight. And then obviously a fight is not easy, you know, like, so it, it's, yeah, you got to have it. It's a, it's a weird fucking mental game. Yeah. 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 You, um, so was that, that's what got you into to wanting to skydive? That experience is what made you think, actually, <laughs> I want more of this. I want this for fun. No, I fucking hated it. Honestly hated it. Um, and then years later, I met a guy that was in my regiment who had a big poster of Dukes on the wall. So Dukes is a, Australian base jumpers are quite famous. Um, and I was like, fuck, that looks pretty fucking sick. So I always wanted to give it a go, but I was like, fuck, I hate parachuting, you know. And then my buddy was like, well, we can do this thing called bridge swinging. So me and my buddy went to Murphy Tidville in South Wales, connected up some ropes to a bridge and just started like swinging off it. <laughs> like, <laughs> awesome. 
we had absolutely no idea what we were doing, but we were like, let's practice some base jumping exits. Yeah. And we would like, fuck, <laughs> we had no idea, like didn't even know parachute. Anyway, nothing was very similar to, to base jumping and bridge swinging, but and they, they were big bridges we were jumping off as well. Like, you know, we, we fucking did loads of stuff like that. And then I went to Iraq. Um, and then I found the, the uh, base jumping, you know, or skydiving. I found a, uh, an AFF course, turned up to the, on my R&R from Iraq. I had two weeks off. I just flew straight from Iraq to London, London to Spain, and did my AFF. I got there. My first day, I was fucking like, they were like, where have you just come from? I'm like, fucking Iraq, Baghdad. <laughs> and they were like, oh, okay. Um, and I remember saying to the instructors, they were like, so what's your goals in skydiving, blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, I got I got three goals in skydiving. They were like, yeah, what's that? I said, I want to become a base jumper. I want to fly a wingsuit past the Christ Redeemer statue. And I want to fly a wingsuit across the English Channel. And the guy looked at me and was like, you're a fucking, you're not going to get any of those goals, mate. You know, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was like, you fucking watch me. Because everyone who comes here saying they want to be a base jumper never becomes a base jumper. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, all right, cool. Uh, but you don't know me. So, uh, yeah, it, yeah. Just, it, just teach me what you need to do. And then I'm... It's like, that's like the worst, the worst thing you can say to an AFF guy, really, is, yeah, I want to be a base jumper. Because straight away, they're like, ah, another one who wants to be a base jumper. Yeah, it's like going into fucking karate dojo saying that you want to be a... A UFC fighter. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, that, so, so, so where were you? Emporia? Uh, Seville. Oh, Seville. Okay. Yeah. So you did you do AFF with an English guy out there or with their guys out there? Yeah, I did it with Alf Bachelor and fuck, who was the other guy? His, uh, his wife owned the drop zone. They own, they own Hibblestone. Um, I can't remember his name. I don't know. Fuck. I've never jumped here before. John, John? Maybe that's his dad. I can't remember his name. Fucking sorry, man. I can't, I can't remember his name. Um, uh, anyway, those guys were the ones who... Uh, uh, Swallows. John something Swallow was his name. Fuck, I can't remember. Anyway, anyway uh, yeah, they taught me and uh, they were just like laughing and being like, yeah, you, you, you won't be a base show. Anyway, years later, and I mean like a good... 10 years down the line, uh, when I flew past the Christ Redeemer statue, uh, I get a text message from Alf, the AFF instructor, and was like, you can't. Like, you, <laughs> you became a base jumper, did it professionally, and flew past the Christ statue. And I was like, he was like, that's two of your three goals. And I was like, do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, so I'll go back a little bit. So, yeah, I went... Um, yeah, I joined it when I joined the parachute regiment. My first tour was in Afghanistan. Yeah, so I was like 18 years old. Went to Afghanistan in 2006 with three para. Um, that was a pretty mental tour, actually. Uh, yeah, pretty fucked up. Uh, you saw action and stuff. You weren't just out there. You saw action. You were. Yeah, one of my best friends actually died on that tour on one of Victoria Cross. Yeah, so his name's Brian Budd. Yeah, it's it's a it's a crazy story uh, actually. Another friend of mine died on the same tour, and uh, his his story is actually made into a film called Kajaki. Or, oh, great film! Yeah, brother, whatever it is in North America. But yeah, Mark was my first ever section commander when I first turned up to three power. Yeah, yeah. the guy. Yeah, fucking crazy. Um, 
It's that, that's pre- that's pretty cool that they're actually getting the stories out of that tour, being it like we were like the first guys into Afghanistan. Um, then after that tour, I ended up moving over to One Power, which is in South Wales. Yeah, and they they took over a new special forces unit called like SFSG. Um, so basically, I went over there and started to do like counterterrorism and working with uh we worked with the squadrons in the SAS and SBS and supported them and did our own operations and stuff like that during uh during Afghanistan and, and Iraq and everything else so yeah deployed to Iraq so when I did my uh r and I did fucking uh, AFF uh on that tour was pretty fucking cool actually yeah we were chasing like al-Qaeda around Baghdad yeah and it was like the real what you imagine the the real movies of like MVGs fast roping onto targets, clearing rooms, arresting guys, checking their house for stuff, flying back and like bouncing, bouncing, bouncing. So yeah. like you when so people hear this stuff, like it excites me that like I lots of my friends who have been in the military are like, I can't believe you're not ex-military. Like just <laughs> it would have been perfect, but I was no good with discipline. Like MMA and fighting taught me discipline i was no i'm rubbish with authority like absolutely useless so i would have been crap in the military because i'm no good with authority but at the same time just all of those things interest me but that's because i've not done them <laughs> you're, you're <laughs> like, you could be like yeah where's they're kind of exciting until you've got to go out for the third night in a row and the first two nights you've been shot at and you're like yeah. Oh, yeah, i didn't look at it like that yeah no yes i said that I was talking to a friend of mine. He actually just moved to Squamish, which is nuts. Yeah, but he was a he was a new bloke in my in my company when he for, when I went to Afghanistan the second time. And I remember saying to him and his buddies, I was like, "Don't wish for these contacts with the Taliban because they're gonna come. Yeah, and when they come, they're gonna be fierce. Yeah, and you're gonna expect it to like stand up, fight, fucking run, crawl." everything's going to be exploding around you and you're just going to be like, what the fuck am I doing here? Yeah, just have to accept it. Um, but yeah, fuck it. it. It's crazy, you know, like it's not... Like you watch these video games and, and films and shit and you're like, you can never really... You can never really understand it until you're actually there and like you hear that little wasp go past you and it's like, Phew! you're like, fucking hell. Um, yeah, and then you turn into like... Your, your sense of humor becomes really dark and I think it's it becomes dark to cope with it as a coping mechanism yeah, of yeah. how to deal with it and I remember this one story of uh I don't know fuck I got him into skydiving but it was an American marine or, or ranger I can't remember and he got attached to our unit and we were fighting in I don't know in Nadi Ali or something in in Helmand province and I'm I was the radio operator yeah, so I'm like fucking trying to radio the other team who's across the other side of the field, but the fucking comms weren't working as they wouldn't in this whole firefight. Yeah, my boss turns around and is like, hey, Jamie, run across that field. Uh, go and fucking tell them to do left flanking, blah, 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 whatever the fucking order was. And I was like, yeah, no worries. And I just like fucking started sprinting. Yeah, middle of this fucking field exploded and I dived on, on the floor and I was like, fucking hell, like in the ditch full of human shit you know like oh. it, it was like an irrigation ditch and i was like oh i guess uh i guess this is better than fucking getting the good news i guess <laughs> um as i turn around 
this fucking American that was attached to us, because you're meant to move in pairs, right? So you've always got like safety. So obviously when I started running off, yeah, the officer would turn around and said, you fucking follow him. Yeah, yeah. so Buddy started chasing me. Yeah, as I turn around, I've dropped in the irrigation ditch. He's running through like, and I swear, the way that I envision this and I remember it is like Baywatch. You know, like, you know, running slow motion across the battlefield. And I'm looking at him like, what the fuck are you doing? And he dives into this ditch next to me and he's like, and he's grabbed me like he, like I got fucking shot or something. And he's like checking me over. And I'm like, dude, I'm fine. He's like, dude, the way you fell, I thought you got fucking hit. And I was like, no, no, I'm fine. What did you just do that for? I'm like, we're not winning medals here, buddy. (laughs) He's just like, oh, and and now in the middle of this ditch. And I'm like, covered in shit covered in shit everything's fucking exploding around our heads and i'm like what the fuck and i i turn around to my boss on the radio and i'm like hey boss i can't fucking move um we're stuck can can you give us cover and fire and we'll and he's uh, i honestly can't move until it quietens down and he was like yeah no worries so i look at this american and i'm like all right mate i guess we're we're hanging out here for a minute and he was like yep and i pull out in my little belt kit i pull out my jet boil you know, like the jet ball cooker. I pulled it out, turned it on, placed it down, turned it on, put a tea bag in it, and I'm like lying down in this human shit irrigation. <laughs> and he's like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "Making a cup of tea, mate." Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "I didn't want to make a cup of tea, but I needed to get on with it." And this guy looked at me like I had fucking three heads or something. He's like, <laughs> "I remember like it boiled for like thirty seconds." You know, like it. It was fucking cold. It hadn't even warmed up. And I I just like grabbed it. I drank it. I was like, you want some? And he's like, no. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> I threw it down, put it away. And I started crawling. He's like, where are you going? I was like, dude, we can't hang out here all day. This ain't a fucking coffee shop. <laughs> I was crawling. And he was just like, <laughs> hey, you're a fucking idiot. And uh, yeah, we crawled out. <laughs> anyway, he, he lives in Vegas now. Yeah, so every time I fucking go down to Vegas, I go down and uh, I, I go and see him. Yeah, and every time I go into a bar, he's like, do you remember that story, that fucking English dude making the cup of tea? This is him. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Like, the the camaraderie of those moments must be amazing because obviously in MMA and through cornering guys when they go to fight, it's... You know that the camaraderie is amazing. When you base jump, the camaraderie is amazing. But yeah. something like that, where you're so on the line, the camaraderie must be just incredible. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> being in the civilian life, I think base jumping was close. But I find that base jumping has got a a fifty fifty percent mixture of people. Yeah, you've got. Half the people are ex-military or military mindsets, yeah, who have these, like, dark, weird sense of humor, punk music, fucking rock, whatever, like extreme sports. And on the other side, you've got the 50% who also like extreme sports and everything else, but they're, like, hippie-wearing fucking unicorn-type pants, uh, furry shit going on. And it's crazy that both of these groups of people get on really well. But we have so vast contrast of our beliefs, you know, like yeah. one case has got like, you know, fucking peace and love. And I mean, I guess I like peace and love, too. But 
I got a military mindset that just wants to go and fucking fight people in the gym, you know, but these people don't want to fight anyone, you know, like it's... Yeah, 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 it, yeah I find that, like, I I find that strange and notion because I'm, you know, like, it's fun and you sit around, you smoke weed with some of the coolest people you know, maybe you take some acid or do some mushrooms with some real hippie, relaxed people in a great setting and you wake up thinking, like, I'm a hippie, man, this is what... I've, I haven't realised my whole life this is it, the love side of things. And then the next day you wake up and you're excited about wanting to go and punch someone and wanting to go and live the life that you actually, that's who you are, you know? So, yeah, yeah. it is very, the contrast between the people, there aren't many middle of the road in between people in it within base jumping that I found as well, you know? No, because it's, a, like, it's one of the most extreme sports in the world. So, of course, you're going to get some of the most extreme people in the world. Yeah. You know, with extreme views, with fucking extreme fucking everything. You know, like, we try and think we're normal, but how we're fucking normal, I have no idea. Because my normal friends, yeah, are like, you jump off a cliff. Like, you're you're an idiot. You know, like... <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they... I don't know. I, I, I don't... Yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, people. When you talk to people and you tell them, wh when I speak to people and they say about oh, MMA, that's crazy. You go, well, you go and you fight another man in the cage. Or, like, yeah, and then like I'd say I could do I base jump. No, like, you base jump. I'm like, yeah, oh, that is nuts. I'm like, well, in in actuality, fighting another man in a cage is more crazy than base jumping. Yeah, the, the say... consequences of base jumping are much higher, really, but. I'm probably going to be lucky to escape an MMA fight without an injury, at least a black eye or a busted hand that hit someone hard. When I go base jumping, that's the worst case scenario, any injury. If any injury at all, even a sprained ankle, is because something's gone wrong. Or if you end up landing on a lamppost on the biggest landing field you've ever had in your life, <laughs> it's because something's gone wrong. In an MMA fight, even when everything goes right, you're probably going to be hurt a little bit. Yeah. That's why I always find my my MMA friends who are like base jumping's crazy, and I'm like, dude, you you don't you you're in. I can I can sort of predict, and I'm pretty sure like MMA you can you can sort of predict what's going to happen. But you have someone else who is super unpredictable because it's another human being, yeah, that you're trying to fight against. In base jumping, I can pretty much predict what's going to happen. Obviously, there's some variables that if if I let it happen, could go wrong. So, you know, but if I do everything right, if I do all my gear right, I do my checks right, I make sure I don't jump in wind, I jump with the correct body position, I do everything. Like, I'm in control of my fate. You know, like, if it goes Your wrong... variables it, are really small. Really small amount of variables. Yeah, and I mean, things can go wrong a hundred times faster, I, I agree, but yeah, the uh, base jump, at least I can I can sort of predict what's going to happen on that jump. You go and fight someone, like, I can't, like, even jiu-jitsu, like, I'm like, okay, I've got my plan in place, you know, and you go onto the mat and you go and compete someone you've never met in your life. The next thing is you're like, this guy's trying to fucking judo throw you across the room and you're like, fuck, I don't know any judo, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be a pussy and pull guard. <laughs> Why is he not shooting the single leg? Why is he not shooting the single leg? <laughs> yeah. That's actually something that, you know, really pissed me off about my childhood, actually, was that we had no wrestling. Yeah, oh, because yeah. as an adult, you know, like my gym can contest this now. Like 
I fucking love wrestling. Yeah, I've spent so long now just like, you know, focus on wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. Yeah, and then my jiu-jitsu is like, okay, it, I'm, I like the wrestling for jiu-jitsu rather than wrestling for wrestling because I, I haven't got the... I haven't got the speed or agility for proper wrestling, but when you go and train wrestling and bring it to jiu-jitsu, yeah, fuck, I just love it. You know, it's, it's yeah. good. To... Yeah, it's. I mean, I'm, I'm. Uh, so I'm quite well known for my wrestling in in UK MMA, and it's something that I, I mean, I've been wrestling since I was like 18 when I first started doing MMA. Or well, I was a judo guy beforehand, so I started to wrestle with a really good Amir, a really good coach from Bristol, Iranian guy. And um, so my wrestling's always been like one of the factors I've known. Like I've wrestled NCAA guys in America and sort of held my own a little bit. I mean, like uh, I've taken a couple down, but the wrestling side of it for me, I'm a top position guy. Even when I do jujitsu, when I teach jujitsu, when I'm in pure grappling matches, I'm a top position guy. If you give me top position, you're already on the back foot. MMA, I want to be in top position. So that's my game. I'm not pulling rubber guards and I'm not, you know, I like to have a top position. So uh, from an early age, I knew like, wrestling was the, the way to go and I absolutely love it. But it's the hardest of everything. And yeah. no tie boxing, boxing, jujitsu, wrestling is the hardest of all of them. Yeah, my, my lower, when you've done it, like back to back, you're like, my lower back is fucked. Yeah, I got. I actually only got into wrestling maybe like a year, maybe two years ago. I, I had a job down in LA, and uh, I was like with a client, with a a diplomat down there working, you know, as a bodyguard. And uh, I went to this place called Dynamics MMA, uh, which is run by Anthony Hardonk. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know Anthony Hardonk. Yeah, the Dutch, the Dutch uh, Thai guy. Yeah, Dutch yeah. kickboxer. He's a fucking yeah. badass, and yeah, he, he and he had a guy there called uh, Vladimir Matashenko, yeah, who fought John Jones back in the day, yeah. yeah. And he uh, it's this Russian dude, and uh, I, fucking huge, built like a brick shit house. And I was like, you know what? They're giving wrestling classes here for the same price. I'm gonna fucking do these as well. So I turn up. He's like, show me single leg. So I show him my best jiu-jitsu single leg. He's like, that's shit. <laughs> like, okay, he's like, okay, show me double leg. So I try my best fucking double leg. He's like, that is even fucking worse. Um, <laughs> and I was like, wow, okay. You don't mix your words. Yeah, in proper thick Russian accent, right? And then uh, he was like, we need to fix this. And so he, he starts fixing my, like, my takedowns and whatever else. And he's like, okay. You need to use your face. You're fucking ugly anyway. Just use your face. You know, like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Since then, like, it always... Like, did you believe you were pretty? You were like, up until then, you thought you were like, hot. I was like, I, I thought I'm good looking, you know. <laughs> and, uh, but since then, like, every time I, like, go and take someone down, the image I have when my face is against their chest it's like, use your face. And I'm like, turn my head and ram. And I'm like, oh, yeah, shit. Yeah. And it, just those little things, like, you know, when someone says something, it always stick in your mind. Yeah, they, they, this guy fucking, like, improved my fucking wrestling so much, so quickly. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. So that was a good time down there. When you wrestle with, with God, like, I mean, obviously, I've trained with 
BJJ black belts all over the world. Like I fought BJJ black belts in Brazil. I like Studio Five Forty when I was there. I was there for four months, and that's got regular lots of different black belts coming through. And you get someone who who wrestled for jujitsu, and they try and wrestle with someone like me who's wrestled for wrestling. The level of wrestling is completely different. Once you're to the ground, the level of jujitsu is completely different as well. But the level of wrestling for someone who's done jujitsu wrestling and someone who's done wrestling wrestling yeah. is and my wrestling is from an Iranian background, so it was tough, horrible, grinding wrestling. As I trained at some American camps, and it was really fast, technical. They hit you with five different entry changes while you're still on your initial sprawl. And you're like, shit. So, okay, I can sprawl on your first takedown, but I've got to worry because there's a chain coming at me, you know? And that's the difference with their wrestling. Boom, 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 boom. And before yeah. you're, you're, you've you got off the first or the second takedown, but now you're defending something else. It's gone something else. Now they've got your back if they're a jiu-jitsu. And you're like, shit. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the level of wrestling, the speed of wrestling is like a whole different level there. Yeah, I, I I like the scrambles. I think that's why I've gone more like no gi nowadays and than gi. Plus, I think it's I don't know. It sort of lines up with the whole extreme sports background. You know, like it reminds me like skydiving is the gi jiu-jitsu and base jumping's the no gi. You know, like, <laughs> sort of like marrying all these up. You know, like it makes sense. Yeah. Well, in fact, base jumping's more wingsuit base jumping is the MMA world. Yeah, yeah, base jumping is the no gi world. <laughs> Skydiving is the gi world. <laughs> yeah, I uh, obviously I've not I've not ventured into um, like much in the way of wingsuit base jumping. Uh, but then I like low urban stuff. That's the things that I like. I like you know I like sneaking into buildings and picking locks and getting arrested on cranes and stuff like that's my thing. I like to think I'm James Bond for a bit and then creep up onto a building or wear a disguise or put like a high vis on and go into a building site that sort of shit that's my thing and i mean i guess people like different stuff and when i see your wingsuit stuff and i see some of the stuff down in the valley and stuff it looks amazing it looks brilliant but it doesn't i would rather go paragliding than engage in something that's so fucking dangerous like yeah. wingsuit, like wingsuit, like wingsuit base off of a cliff. I would rather go paragliding and fly for four hours, you know. So I guess it's just, but that's yeah. only, and I know that's because I've not been to the valley and I've not been wingsuit base jumping. <laughs> but you remember, like I didn't, I didn't always, I didn't get into base jumping with the wingsuit, like, and probably way before you even thought about skydiving. I like people will remember me when I was younger. Yeah, especially my first few years of base jumping would be like, I am never touching a wingsuit in base jumping. It's so dangerous. And I went through like the glory years of base jumping and didn't have a wingsuit on. Yeah. And I I put my wingsuit on on my 400th base jump. Yeah. Really? Yeah. 400 base jumps was, was my first wingsuit jump. So I did all my London stuff, all my urban stuff, sneaking around Bristol, jumping off the the bridge, jumping off fucking Cheddar Gorge, jumping off buildings in fucking Wales and every everywhere I fucking could. So, you know, Twickenham Stadium, you know, like all that shit. <laughs> um, that was a good jump, that was. Yeah, no, that was, uh, that was an entertaining one. Um, I was kind of lucky to get away with that one, actually. Yeah, definitely. I think it might have been the case that because that week I jumped it, I, I released the video on the on the friday 
I went to an uh, indoor wind tunnel competition in Bedford. Uh, yeah. Did the competition at the weekend. And on Monday morning, I flew out to New York. And that was the trip that I met you on. Yeah, yeah. so that was my... Uh, that was how... I, like, no one knew. Because as soon as I, as soon as it happened, and then it was all in the press the following week, yeah, it was like, oh, he's, he's in America. So then I was out there for like three months then came to Canada for six and then I was traveling to Brazil and then came like by that point they're like oh whatever we can't fucking get him so yeah I got away with that one (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was good that was that was nice definitely um and then you went to I remember when we were in Turkey Boogie Turkey Boogie was still every year I think I want to go back and do Turkey Boogie because it was so it was like it was it for me. It solidified me as being a base jumper to do like a hundred jumps in like two weeks <laughs> off, of, off of all solid earth objects, and to, then to do stuff like I was there because I like I had that little crew. There was like four or five of us running around, like a little crew: me, Justin, Braden, and Cole. And because everyone had gone after Turkey Boogie, there was loads of exits that we didn't know about. So we were going on YouTube and we're looking at exits <laughs> and we're trying to hike to where we think they are. And then we'd look at the exit on the YouTube video, look at people's feet before the exit. Does that look like the right jump? That looks about- so we're jumping these jumps, assuming that we've hiked to the right exit point. You know, like with Welshman's, the first time we went to Welshman's, I was like, this looks a bit too low. And they're like, it's got to be it because that stone juts out there. And this bit, I'm like, it does look right, but it does look low. <laughs> Fuck it. So I put like a, I had like a 50 inch um, pilot shoe on. I was like, I'm taking no chances here. And I went handheld, boom. It was Welshman's, obviously. And it went next minute, I was doing rollovers off of it. But yeah, yeah. hiking and finding your way, for me, Turkey Boogie was special because. Like, I remember you and I went and met that guy. I can't think of his name, but we went and met that guy and we hiked to, um, oh, I remember the one opposite is named something like Podium. One of them, uh, Christmas dinner, is it? Something like that, it's called the exit. Oh, oh we I, met the German, the German, the German guy. guy. Yeah, and we hiked along into there and we had that wicked jump. The wind was a bit like up it and we were like, shall we? And we waited it out and we had the jump. It took us like, we we hiked the wrong way. That's right. Yeah, we hiked yeah, an hour. And we hiked the wrong way. Snow, the first day of snow or something, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And we yeah. met up with this guy because everyone says it's the hardest jump to find. But this guy knows it like the back of his hand, and he took us the wrong way. <laughs> and then yeah. like Snow's uh, memory. Mick. Yeah. Mick. Yeah, that's it. Mick. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. He he's got more knowledge in fucking Moab than Mo- anyone I fucking know. Yeah. 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 And he could still get lost there, which is still get lost. Yeah. Amazing. But that was for me, that was like that solidified my base jumping in it. I mean, I was liking it anyway, but I was like, fuck, this is I love this. This is at because before I was doing it and I was like, yeah, it's all right. I jump and I was thinking like, yeah, it was a good jump, it was exciting, but do I really need to do that again? And then once I started jumping Moab and Turkey Boogie, I was like yeah, this is, there's nothing else like this. Nothing. Yeah. Fuck, I was like 205 pounds then as well. You were a lot bigger then, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I was a fat cunt then. <laughs> you were, you were, was it, did jujitsu help you get the weight off? Was it through jujitsu? Yeah, jiu jujitsu start, I don't know, I started to, I started to cut weight anyway, like, uh, 
just doing like calisthenics and stuff, you know, as fat, you know, because I hadn't been in for any sort of fitness. I couldn't run because of my accident, right? Yeah, uh, ankle was destroyed. Uh, so that that was a contributing factor. And then I got into like a bunch of calisthenics and TRX again and all that sort of stuff. And then jujitsu was like the the uh, the fucking the pinnacle of starting to lose the weight. But that was funny because that was the same trip when you told me about jujitsu and MMA. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's cool. And I knew a couple of guys that did it anyway. You know, I remember like Jack Marshman and Cameron Els, you know, some of the guys that I was in the paras with uh, who all did like boxing, kickboxing, MMA, whatever. And I was like, yeah, okay. And I, I have a rule of three anyway. So I, if someone says to me, Three, three different people tell me to do something then I'm like I, I gotta try them I remember you in the first one to be like yeah you should try jiu-jitsu I think you really enjoy it and I was like yeah 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 cool cool it didn't it didn't appeal to me anyway like at that point I was like yeah whatever and then uh who don't, then the next one was Cameron Els Cameron mm-hmm. Els was like you should fucking do it and then he he just had that crazy fucking knockout as well so yeah. like 10 seconds or whatever yeah and then uh, Lando Venata from the UFC called me up asking to fucking learn to base jump. And then he was like, you should do jiu-jitsu. And I was like, fuck, there's three people now. <laughs> uh, so I ended up going to Alliance in Vancouver. Yeah, I can remember. Yeah, you messaged me after your first session. Oh, dude, it was fucking sick. But I got there and it was a, there was a guy I was in my regiment with. Yeah, his name's Piers. And he's a black belt at that gym in Vancouver. That was in the regiment. Yeah. And you're like, what the fucking chances of this? Yeah. Yeah. um, Yeah. That was uh, my start of the jiu-jitsu world. And yeah, it fucking went crazy then. Uh, I mean, I I think jiu-jitsu is life-changing anyway. I'm not not a massive... um, You get these jiu-jitsu geeks who they their whole life, they invest in jiu-jitsu and it becomes life-changing in there oh i'm in this team and i'll never do this and, I'll, and this is me i oh you gotta put the key on it i'm it's not like that i do think jiu-jitsu is life-changing i do jiu-jitsu every day of my life obviously um i've been doing jiu-jitsu for 18 years now um and it, it is amazing it will change everybody's life everyone it is for everybody and it will change everybody's life i'm a a Pedro Bassa BJJ guy and Pedro's always been my coach. Well, he hasn't. I started out with the Graces years ago, but Ped came and I'm now with Ped. But I've been all over the world and done jiu-jitsu and you walk in any jiu-jitsu gym and you step on the mat and you're an equal. It makes no... You're just a jiu-jitsu player. You go there and you just go to train jiu-jitsu and boom, it makes no difference. Nothing else matters. You're just there for jiu-jitsu, which I love worldwide. Yeah, it's de- it's definitely good. I I went to Italy when I was working in Italy. I went to a jiu-jitsu gym. Yeah, not one person could speak English to me in this gym. Not one person. It was fucking great. I turned in and I'm like, I want to try. And they were like, No gi, no gi. That's all they could say to me. And I was like, Okay, no gi. Yeah. So I was like, Cool. I ended up like I don't know. Some one guy smashed me the first time. And then I'm like, All right, I guess I'm being fucking tested here. To see how yeah. crazy I am um and then by the end of the fucking session we were all like having a great time having pictures well but not not one person could speak english yet we had a fucking great time and even like i've i was showing them something that i did in my role that they hadn't seen and you know and they were showing me a bunch of stuff and it was it was fucking it's pretty sick you can go there and don't have to talk you just have to go and grind 
Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's like when I was traveling across America, it was either drop zones or BJJ places. And very often it was a BJJ place followed by a drop zone. So I'd go to wherever I went, I'd <laughs> drop into a, 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 a jiu-jitsu gym, nine times out of ten over an MMA gym. If I'm going to an MMA gym, I want to be there for at least a week or two because there's no point dropping into one MMA session. But I could drop into a BJJ session, and if I'm only going to be there for once or if I'm going to be for five days, I can go in, I can introduce myself, pay a drop-in fee if there's a drop-in fee, jump on the mats and train. And then after that, I can leave, go off to a drop zone or go off to another BJJ place. So it got me through my traveling. I'd just go from place to place, and sometimes I wouldn't do any jiu-jitsu for weeks. I'd be jumping off of things with people like you. But then I'd go off to the next place, find a BJJ gym, instantly I've got a group of friends. Yeah, I found out that a lot of jiu-jitsu gyms, like, even if they have a drop-in fee, if you're like, oh, I'm from fucking Squamish, Canada or England, they're just like, oh, come in for free, you know, like, try it. And I used to love it. And then I remember one, there was a few times when um, some, like, high name, and I'm not a name person at all. Like, I I've never really know the top names in any sport I've ever been in, including base jumping, like, People would name nowadays. I know the names of the top guys, but I remember being younger, being like, "I don't know who this fucking person is who you're trying to name drop." Like, it, I don't get it. And I get, I even now in in jujitsu, people name drop fucking people all the time, and I'm like, I have absolutely no idea who it is. I only learned who John Donner, Donaher. I got to behave because <laughs> my joke was I refused to learn who he was, but. You know, like, because I didn't, everyone kept saying, John Danaher, John Danaher, John Danaher. And I was like, I don't fucking know who John Donahue is. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, how do you not know who he is? And I was like, I don't fucking know. Yeah. And then I realized that actually I had been watching a bunch of his videos. I just yeah. didn't, I didn't like put the name to the face sort of thing. Yeah. But it's like, I'm definitely known in, in my gym. Like, I'll, I'll watch loads of stuff, but I won't know who the person is. Unless that's, the, that's the BJJ group. They're the ones who they know. They know everyone. They know who beat so-and-so in Abu Dhabi this year and who did. And I haven't got a fucking clue. Still now. <laughs> I, I'm, oh, yeah, I watched the fight. Yeah, I remember. But I can't remember who it was and who was fighting. Like, unless it's Gilvao or someone like that who obviously stands out or Keenan or someone. I'll know them. But otherwise, I don't know who they beat in where. I'm just like, MMA is a different story. I know it inside out and back to front, yeah. obviously. But BJJ, I'm not like a I'm not like a strict BJJ guy. I love it. I roll every day, but I don't follow the people and see what they're doing with their lives and stuff. You know? Yeah. I sometimes we have like little debates sometimes amongst the guys, and they're just like, "Well, you know, we got to work on this because such and such weak point is this." And I was like, "Yeah, but that's not your weak point because you're not even at that level. You need yeah. to work on your level first. Then you can work on you don't need to work on other people's weaknesses. No, <laughs> you need to work on like I always have this argument with uh, with a couple of guys because we got a few guys that are like hardcore leg lockers and I'm like, cool, just get punched in the face, but whatever. Mm. Um, <laughs> and I don't like it looks kind of cool and whatever else, and they're like, we need to you need to do this, and I'm like, hey, have you ever? And I, I always revert back to base jumping, and I I always talk about the pyramid. Yeah. Now, at the top of the pyramid is like a wingsuit base jumper doing proximity wingsuit flights. That's what you see the pyramid like. Yeah. But you can't get there 
unless you've done the the urban city skydiving um, foundation. Yeah, so like you need to build like the solid foundation and then you can build up, build up, build up to the pinnacle. Yeah, if you do it the other way around, like a lot of people have done, you know, like I'm just getting the, imagine building this pyramid upside down. Yeah, and that's what happens is the pyramid is now built this way and it's going to fucking collapse. Yeah, and that's how I teach people in base jumping is like you have to build the pyramid the correct way to then be in this sport as long as possible. And it's all about longevity, not about how fucking cool it is to fly through the hole. Because those people who flow through all those holes and made themselves famous, all, all fucking dead now. You know, like, no well, one fucking knows see, This is the thing that people never see about those base jumping videos, because obviously people reference them to me all the time. I'm like, what you don't see is that guy has flown through that hole once successfully. He might have flown past that hole 300 times, seeing how the wind feels, seeing where he needs his line needs to be, seeing how his approach needs to be. Oh, I could have nailed it on that one. Let's see what next one goes like. Oh, I would have been a little bit too high there, etc., etc. You're not seeing the 300 flybys and stuff that that guy's doing. Now, it's exactly the same with jujitsu, with the leg locks and stuff. You're not seeing my 17, 18 years of jujitsu to be on to leg locks. And one of my guys said to me the other day, he's an amateur MMA fighter. He's good. He is good. And he said, Wes, do you reckon we should start doing some leg locks? Because uh, I was like, whoa, what do you want to do leg locks for? He went, well, you know, for when I turn pro. I was like, hang on a minute. Are you planning on turning pro in the next year? He's like, no. I was like, right. So should we waste time learning stuff that's not appropriate for you? Or should we work on stuff to help you get better at what you're actually doing now? He's like, yeah, but you don't want to wait until I'm pro to start teaching me stuff to, for a pro. I'm like, but I don't want to skip stuff that you can use now to teach you stuff that you can't fucking use. What? What's yeah. the point in that? When you're three months away from turning pro, let's start working at adding some stuff in your game that's going to help you. For now... Let's work at all the things that you can still learn that benefit you. And it, people people want to people want to fast track stuff. And it looks good. Hill hooking people. And like when you go to sit instead of passing guard, stepping through and sitting to the saddle and taking a leg and outside straight ankle lock. It looks fantastic. But if you're fighting as an amateur MMA guy and doing no grappling comps, it's useless. It's literally <laughs> useless for you. Yeah, it's funny weird because like I'm definitely like a really new like new jujitsu like I'm a I'm a blue belt so you know when I'm trying to give these people advice I'm like hey don't worry about this shit like it means nothing coming from me but I'm not bringing it from a a jujitsu background I'm thinking as a base jumping background yeah. and my mindset is here it's like you don't need this yet yeah and I always think that you know like if you if you drill like in base jumping, you know, we don't, we're not just jumping off cliffs. We actually do drill stuff. Yeah, we call it dirt diving, but it's essentially drilling. Yeah, and I drill stuff over and over and over again, be it my pull, be it my flight, be it like get you, you drill everything. Yeah, and I'm go, I bring that that aspect of my uh, base jumping to the jiu jitsu world where I think drilling is important. Yeah, because when you're tired, when you're fucked, when you're exhausted and you see it, you're like, oh, fuck, it's there. And you can just you can just grasp at straws. Yeah. Now, can you imagine if all you drill is fucking heel hooks and knee bars? Yeah. As a fucking blue belt. Yeah. And then you're you're ball bagged and you're now like 
grasping at straws and now you see that heel and you're like oh and like the holy grail you grab it and you're disqualified yeah, yeah. like what what's the point and muscle memory is a is a big thing we did it in the army like counterterrorism all the time we would uh be like fire 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 stoppage you would like throw the weapon down and then grab your pistol and bring it out yeah and we would do that motion from fire fire stop to pistol out yeah i mean fuck i did it then yeah quite quickly you know and i've not done it in fucking 10 years yeah so that muscle memory is still there that i still that that. so if you if you can drill that yeah into your jujitsu like what happens when you're so fucked what are you gonna and you're on your back and you're you're like this guy's fucking dominating me yeah what what emergency thing can you reach out and and do but As you can imagine, as a blue belt trying to give that advice to people, yeah, it doesn't go down. Like, it's like, yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. And it's, uh, people don't, uh, and it's because they haven't got other parallels. So because obviously, because I've done MMA and Jiu-Jitsu and I've base jumped and I've paraglided and I've, I've got lots of parallels to draw similarities from, these people don't have that. So all they see is some blue belt trying to give me advice on jujitsu. It's like, I'm not giving you advice on jujitsu. Yeah. I'm giving you advice on learning. My and advice mindset. on learning processes here. That's what we're teaching. And uh, yeah, people people don't see it. They have a way that... It was the same with the twister. When the twister came out, everyone wanted to know how to twister. And I'm like, you do realize there's probably only three tournaments in the whole world that you can use a twister. <laughs> like what? You don't need to know the twister because you can't use it. The only people I've ever twistered in my life are training partners. Like you can't. Like I've I've been in three. Like, I was in that Polaris comp the other day. I could use a twister then, but the guy was seventeen kilos heavier than me, so I can't. I'm not twistering him because I don't want him on top of me, and I'm yeah. certainly not going to pull him on top of me to attempt a twister, which inevitably would end up with him. So, yeah, don't play with it if you want to but don't use it when you're a blue belt work on other stuff you know so what's yeah. your, your thing because I, I had a, i had a debate once about all this exactly this so we would say oh you know but then you go well, what about heel hooks in the sh- in the street you know <laughs> listen stay on top <laughs> in the street get a top position do not fall for an arm bar in the street you choke you kimura or you get top position and you bang somebody. That is it. That is uh, it. Dude, I I I slipped. I was, I was working the doors down on uh, Granville Street in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this, obviously something happened and I fucking ran over. I grabbed the guy by like a solid like arm drag. But as I like went to arm drag him to try and just like get his bag, I fucking slipped. Yeah. I fell straight onto my back. Yeah, and I'm like, oh my god, I got this fucking guy pretty much in my guard. <laughs> I fucking panicked. I just swept him, got back up on top, and the video footage, the CCTV camera, looks like I've literally like arm dragged him to pull guard to sweep him. <laughs> <laughs> and my supervisor's like, what the fuck were you doing? And I was like, I fucking like in the video, I just slipped. Yeah, and. Yeah. It, these things happen, but it's good to have these like chain reaction of like, oh yeah, fuck, you can yeah, still exactly. get to the yeah. top. So people like say like, oh, what, what does jujitsu teach you on for on the street? I'm like, it teaches you to stay on your feet. That's what jujitsu does. It teaches you to not be on the ground with people because, listen, you might be on the ground with someone and you might be winning, but his mate who kicks you from behind, he's yeah. now winning. So I mean, I, I always say to people like, 
wrestling's much more applicable on the street because you you can instigate the takedown or you can stop the takedown. But re- jujitsu, when you get try not to be on the floor with people if you can help it, you know. Yeah, but, I found that I found bouncing especially like I found that wall fighting actually helped. Yeah. Yeah, like I was actually really shocked. Like I had to like pretty much wall fight a couple people until I got some back. You know, I'm only a hundred and fifty pound dude. You know, like. I, you, you're trying to like hold a 280 pound meathead. Yeah. I pinned him up against the wall, head under his chin, and he was like, "This is uncomfortable." <laughs> and I'm like, "I'm okay. I I like this." You know. <laughs> judo, mate. If I could like, tell anyone, if you want anything for on the street or as a doorman, judo. Do, learn judo. You know, control people with their clothes the gentle way it's it's called the gentle way it literally is called the gentle way and judo is so good it's so it's so good for in that scenario um to control people and yeah you're not going to learn how to fly and triangle someone but you don't don't want to be trying flying and triangling people on a dance floor either so no. really cool, you know um so then yeah mate you um w- with the base jumping and stuff the wild side and shit like that but then you went and did the the flying past the Christ the Redeemer. That's like the only person to have done it. No, no, there's a there's a few people who've done it. Uh, yeah. yeah, only a handful of people though. You know, so it's not many of us that have gone out and did it. But uh, we did it for the obviously the Olympics. You you can do stuff for the Olymp- the Olympics was in Brazil that year. That what that's what got me the idea. And when I pitched it to the G Form the company, they were like fucking right. But we had to do it within a time frame. Uh, because if you do something and then and then put like oh it's the Olympics or Olympic brand or use the word Olympic in anything, yeah, it has to be outside a six month bracket of when yeah. the Olympics start or whatever else. So, you know, we did that and then we ended up like closer to the Olympics posting stuff. Oh, we the lead up to the Olympics is in Brazil, blah 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 blah. So we got away with using all that stuff. But I don't know if you remember the uh, Red Bull China had like the color wingsuits of the rings. Yes. And then they did exact they did the same thing. They flew past the Christ Redeemer. Yeah. And actually that was actually my first idea when I pitched it to G Form to have different colored wingsuits, different G Form wingsuits. Um, but it would become a bit expensive to do that. Um, but anyway, they turned the Olympic Committee shut it all down. So these guys did some fucking like awesome flyby in the Olympic colours. Yeah, but the Olympic Committee shut it down because, like, they didn't get the permission, yeah, from the Olympics, which is crazy. But, but that was a that was a good time to be out in Brazil. It took a week of, of ten days of just shit weather, not jumping. I, I remember you sending me videos every day, sending me a video of the pissing rain. I was like, no way, don't say you're yeah. gonna. And look, I remember it's right towards the end that you managed to get it. Yeah. And every day pissing rain and you send me videos just pissed off. <laughs> yeah. Did, one, I, did did you have a buddy who flew home? He couldn't even stay to do it or something. We had the, the actual crew, the G form crew itself, yeah. as in like the managers and the, the 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 secretary and the PA and all these guys that were all over here for the, the shoot, yeah, all had to fly home. Yeah, because like there, it wasn't looking like it was going to happen. And then the last day, like the day we were going to go home or the next, it was the next day we were going home. Yeah, I woke up at five in the morning and was just like, fuck it, let's see if we can get an early 
early sunrise one yeah and we were like yeah it's gonna happen so at like five in the morning i woke everyone up i'm like let's fucking go quick you know and uh we went out there jumped the heli um flew round, and we we didn't really do it like a hundred percent legit so yeah. the helicopter pilot didn't like tell the air traffic controller that we were up in the air yeah like team <laughs> of people wanted 30 thirty thousand dollars for us to do this yeah like you know the church itself it was it was fucking crazy and we paid the heli pilot some money to like just drop us off so me and sam are like on the skid yeah and we're right over the top of the statue and i was like sam we're, we're too fucking close and he was like yeah i turned that to the heli pilot i'm like hey buddy we got to go around again give us more space and he was so pissed because his headset must have been like you know who are you blah 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 you know all this shit so this helicopter just like banks so hard there's no handles on these helis because it's not like where so we're like hanging on in our wingsuits yeah and he was like banking hard doing a huge turn flew up got up and he was like you guys need to go so the second time we weren't even in a good position either we just had to like dive down really hard so in the first part of the video like the technique isn't like no one really notices yeah but if you know much about wingsuit and the technique is not great at the beginning mm. yeah but we had to like sink all the way down just to get lined up yeah so it was a weird like arm swept all the way back and then when we lined up then i like pull my arms back out and try and make it look good but with uh yeah it was it was pretty tricky and then uh one of the guys this guy called gustavo you might have met him actually in Moab. He uh, had a smoke grenade, and he was going to pop the smoke on the landing area, which is on, on basically on a roundabout. Yeah, and we were going to land there. Yeah, but when he was stood on the landing area, a police checkpoint was like there. There was a police car with two officers stood outside. He's like, uh, "Fuck, I need to do this for the guys because you need to know which way to land. Can you land into wind? Yeah, yeah and tiny landing area next to a highway." Yeah, so he fucking like popped, he looked at the police officer, just popped the smoke grenade through it. And the police came walking over to him to like, what the fuck are you doing? He ends up just pointing at the sky and sees these fucking parachutes coming in. We come landing. We didn't know the police were there. We were stoked. The next thing is we look over and these two police officers are like waving at us and be like, that was sick. (laughs) (laughs) So we thought we were going to get arrested and we were like, all right, fucking cool. So we got in the car, we drove off, you know, went back to the hotel. We had a fucking like quick beer, enjoyed what we just did. And then we had another bright idea of trying to jump off the hotel roof while we check out. Yeah, so <laughs> we're so we, base jumpers do. That's just a, a base jumper idea straight away. Yeah, so we were like, this is a great idea. Let's leave our bags in here so we're not trespassing because then we're still, we haven't checked out yet. So we went to the roof. The whole t- the, the whole hotel staff knew we were filming a, a documentary. So they were so used to ha- us having film crew with us. And we would ask, hey, can we just empty this part of the bar so we can do interviews? Yeah. And they were like, yeah. So we went upstairs to the, the rooftop bar and said to them, hey, is there any chance we can just get all the staff out the way so we can film an, a, a, the last interview before we, we go home? And they were like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So they moved all the staff out of the way. Yeah, our film crew went up. Yeah, we geared up, got onto the roof and jumped off. 
<laughs> anyway, we land and we were, we were so fucking cocky. Yeah, we just got our parachutes. We packed them in the stash bag, walked through the front entrance of the hotel. The hotel manager's losing his mind at us. Yeah, he's like, you need to check out, blah, blah, blah. We go and grab our bags. We come down, we check out, and then the police were there to arrest us. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we end up going to the police station, and then Gustavo has this Brazilian TV show about illegal urban base jumping. So we turn up to the police station, and Gustavo's like a fucking celebrity. All the police are like, oh, Gustavo, you fucking, you know, TV, this, that, and the other. Yeah, and they were asking, why are we here? And we we told them, we jumped off the roof, we were filming something, blah, blah, blah. And the, the police officer was like, that's fucking cool. Looks at the hotel manager and like, why are you wasting my time? <laughs> Get out of here. Fuck off. Yeah, like, perfect. We've got real crime to deal with in Brazil, you know. So. Perfect. You are, it's like, oh, I got... So I got nicked on a crane in Vancouver. Um, New Year's Eve, I get I got a claim this crane. My two buddies from England, one of my guys lives in uh, lives in Vancouver now. So I'll stay with him for like four months in Van- in Vancouver. And my other guy came over for Christmas. So we go out. I was like, this, I'm going to jump this crane in the middle of Vancouver. I've seen it. But, so I go climb this crane. I'm on top. Next minute, police car. Vroom. Police car. Vroom. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> so I ring my buddy down in the van. I'm like, are you seeing police? He's like, yeah, they're fucking everywhere. I was like, yeah, I know. I'm going to chill out on this crane. They can't see me. I'm on the boom. I'll just wait it out. So I wait, like an hour goes by. There's like now five police cars. There's dogs out, everything. And I was mm-hmm. like, listen, you two better go home. I might be here for a couple of hours. I'll ring you when I'm about to jump. So I sit there for like another hour and a half. I'm filming the sky and stuff. Because I'm thinking I've got to have a backup plan. My backup plan is if I've got to come down, I'm going to tell them I'm filming meteorites. <laughs> so i go and uh i'm sat on the um boom anyway another hour and a half goes by there's more police there's now like 12 police cars two dogs i'm like fuck this i'm gonna have to come down so i start climbing down the ladder i was like hey are you guys looking for me and this cop's like uh yeah come down here buddy i was like yeah move that dog mate he said no the dog's <laughs> fine i was like i'm not coming off of this crane well that dog's there move the dog to the back off with the dog he said what were you doing up there i was like I was filming like meteor shadows, meteors tonight and stuff. He goes, right. He said, what's that on your back? I was like, a parachute. <laughs> what have you got a parachute? I was like, would you walk up that crane without a parachute? And he looked at his mate and he went, it's got a point. It's got a point. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> so then we start talking and he asked me what I'm doing there. I said, oh, I'm a professional MMA fighter. And he looks in my ears. We start talking. He puts me in the cop car, comes up to me. He goes, listen, he said, I want to let you go. He said, but because security called called us about you, I need to do something. He says, I'm going to give you a ticket. And he gave me a ticket for like 150 bucks or something. He's like, go and pay that tomorrow and you're all good. We're not going to do anything about it. I was like, cool. He goes, just listen, just stop jumping. Keep doing with MMA. I look forward to seeing you and fighting and stuff. Just like, it took about four hours just talking about fighting. And then I tried to pay my ticket every day for like a month and they couldn't ever find any. Every time I tried to pay it, they were like, we can't, we didn't, the ticket doesn't correlate to anything. So, unless they never issued it. So, I was like, fuck. So, like, they are, they, some people just love it, right? They love, like, that yeah. adventure wild side. And you can get away with murder, really, just just being a bit nuts. Yeah, no, it's, it, it definitely helps. There's definitely some people out there that fucking hate it, though. You know, I, uh, I had this weird neighbor. Yeah, they moved out now, luckily. But I was working nights, obviously, working on the doors. 
and I asked the guy, I was like, hey, buddy, any chance you can turn the music down for us? You know, like, I need another hour's sleep and then I'm leaving for work. And he was just like, <sighs> and I was like, hey, buddy, I'm just asking a favor. Like, I'm just trying, I work nights or I'll come home at three in the morning and start blasting music, you know, like yeah. on my normal day to day. Yeah. And he was just like, you're so aggressive. And I was like, I'm not. I was literally just asking you to turn your music down. He was just like, I don't appreciate what you do. I was like, you don't have to appreciate anything I do, you know, but I don't, I'm just curious, what are you talking about? And he was a hardcore hippie, you know, like, uh, you know, these people that like, you know what I mean? They're fucking like, they're just peace and love, but they're like, there's nothing wrong with hippies, but the ones that don't fucking shower, don't, you know, don't anything. It was, it was nasty. And he was like, I don't appreciate that every single day I see you getting in your car with your gym bag, all your gloves. Yeah. And you'll go into a place. Yeah. To create violence. And I was like, <laughs> what? And he was like, yeah, I just, I just don't appreciate it. I think it's, uh, it's fucking stupid. It's horrible. It's whatever. I said, look, mate, for a hippie, you're fucking judgmental. Yeah. And he was like, what? I said, look, I go and do this because I really like doing it. Yeah. I don't judge you because you live in a house and don't fucking shower. Uh, and he just went, uh, I was like, get the fuck out of my life. You yeah. go to a place for violence. Oh, if only you knew the half of it, my friend. <laughs> I've also shot people in war. What what are you like? This is going somewhere to box or do a jujitsu is the least of the things you need to worry about here, yeah. buddy. Okay, so we're back from a huge technical glitch. <laughs> So hopefully I would have figured out how to edit that out now. Anyway, and we're back. I completely forgot where we were, what we were talking about, because we've literally been for 10 minutes or so now trying to fix that, that glitch. So, hey, um, here's what it is, I guess. So what's the um, plans for you at the moment, mate? Well, you got, you got anything in the pipeline? Any? Uh, after, obviously, this is probably put pay to anything, put pay to anything you had, but... Uh, Base, base jump courses, I guess you had this this year booked? Yeah, well, base jumping courses, what you know, had to be cancelled because obviously France and Italy are pretty much out of the loop. Um, yeah, I'm studying for the fire service at the minute. Oh, really? Yeah, so I've been studying for... It's a bit different in the U, like compared to the UK. Like here, you got to go to school. you got to pay for it yourself. Um and then you go to a, you know you go to a, a camp for two weeks and do like a a boot camp, and then you you come back and start applying. So uh, yeah, I've just been a, applying for that sort of thing at the minute. Um, the ski season just ended super fast, so I was ski patrolling all winter. Well, not all winter, like some of it. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, and then on top of that, just starting my own security company as well. So hopefully that's going to kick off. We'll see. Um, but yeah, mainly focusing on like uh, the fire service at the minute. Train it. Well, was training jujitsu. I'd just been training a, a bunch with a girl called Jamie Horth, who's just just won a title over here at Battlefield. 
Um, yeah, I saw, I saw the fight. Um, you posted a link, so I looked her up. And, uh, yeah, she's good. Uh, got to be thinking towards UFC, I would imagine. That's got to be the, the think, push for someone like her. I think there was a post recently out about her, like maybe on the Contender Series this year. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're hoping to get back. Because I spent a lot of time now training with her, like, do, like doing jiu-jitsu and uh, more like MMA jiu-jitsu, which changed my fucking... My, my mind on the whole like changed my vision of how jiu-jitsu is and got me to want to be on top because it kind of sucks getting punched in the head when you're on the floor because you don't just get punched you get your head fucking smacked off the mat and you're like pun- punching is a good thing where did you get elbowed in the face there's no like there's no you can't simulate it even when you train you can't simulate but when someone hits you with that point of the elbow whilst your head is on the mat it's yeah it's a different thing altogether, mate. Yeah, it's definitely uh, it's changed changed me a bit actually. Like I've, I, yeah, I was like, oh, just jujitsu, just jujitsu, and then suddenly I'm I'm creeping into the kickboxing world, and suddenly creeping into wall fighting, and now fucking training with Jamie, and now like I've got MMA gloves, I'm fucking training regularly. You know, it's like okay, I. I, I I can see that one day in the future um, I might have to do one fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I think it's got it's, to that level. Yeah, so I have a thing with, like, with base jumping. When people speak to me about base jumping, I'm like, I say to everyone, it's really stupid, and if you can live the rest of your life never base jumping, do that. That is my recommendation. If you can live your life happily never base jumping, that's my recommendation. Yeah. With MMA... It's people are like, should I fight? I'm like, if you can dedicate as much of your life as possible to getting ready to fight, then you should fight because it, there's going to be no bigger test of anything that you do in your life than preparing for a fight and having a fight. So, yeah, okay, you are probably going to get hurt one way or another, whether that's by you might hurt your hand punching someone. But if you can dedicate that much of your life and push yourself far enough that, that a coach will say, you're ready to fight. You should one hundred percent do that. Yeah, yeah. I have, a, I have a thing, you know. Like, I feel like my jujitsu and wrestling is at a level where I would be comfortable fighting, but my yeah. striking is lacking massively. Yeah. So I spend a lot of time now just like striking, getting stuff going, and and again, it's like going back a step and trying to, you know, learn stuff and trying to be fluid and. Yeah, but I just have I have a feeling that it's probably going to happen. It's, I've got that mindset of, you know, when I start something, you know, you you've got to go to the end of doing it. You know, like yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you don't you don't start something to never do it. You know, you're like, well, you know, you've got to if you're going to start if you're going to if you're going to start jujitsu, you start jujitsu to become a black belt. Yeah, you know? like there's no point in becoming a four strike white belt. You know, like, it doesn't, <laughs> teach, it doesn't teach you anything, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah I'm, I mean, I get, like, people say, like, oh, you're, you're all in in everything you do. I'm like, well, there's no point doing something. I never start anything thinking, oh, I'm going to do I'm gonna do a quarter of this. Like, yeah, yeah. I just wouldn't bother starting it, right? I just wouldn't, like, it's just, yeah. So I, I see what, I know what you're saying. And, you know, I, I think... You could definitely, at the moment, you're a white belt in striking. So, okay, yeah. you don't need to be a black belt in striking to fight. You just need to be like a blue belt in striking. Yeah. And then 
you can fight a couple that and if you can learn to strike to complement your attributes like your um wrestling and your jiu-jitsu that's all you need if they're your best attributes strike to complement them you know yeah exactly no that's been my that's been my mindset and i'm kind of lucky as well especially being like only a blue belt and maybe a white belt fucking kickboxer or whatever uh to have so many good friends who are like high level in this sport you know like i got two friends two or three in the ufc you know had you guys all fighting in cage warriors cam fighting fucking everywhere else Yeah. yeah like jamie in the battlefield and head into the UFC, Cole Smith, he's in the UFC, Tristan, our head coach, is in the UFC, so there's like, there's yeah. five people I know just here who fought in the UFC, you know, like, you know, it's, I've got people around me who have got that, like, mindset, and, you know, like, it's, it's lucky to have that sort of wealth of knowledge who can sort of guide you through the path of whatever's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, you're, it sounds like you're 100% in, in the perfect place to it, so that if you're going to do it, you're in the perfect place where you've got the right guidance to know whether you're on the right path. And hopefully these guys know well enough to be like, Jamie, whoa, like you're not, yeah. you need to fucking do this, you can't do it. Like, so that's the main thing is not having someone who's saying, yeah, you can do it, is having someone who's saying, no, you can't do it yet, or no, you're not ready. And if you've got all those elements... You're, you're in a brilliant position to do it, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I don't even need a fucking coach to tell me that you can't do it. You know, like, being, like, I think coming from the base jumping background and the military background, I've now got, like, my ego isn't what fucking drives me now. You know, like, I can stand there and go, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go and fight. And it's like, no, Jamie, you know you're not ready. You know, mm-hmm. like, you're not ready. Like, your, your cardio is good. You're wrestling's okay your fucking jiu-jitsu's okay yeah but you know your weakest point is your striking yeah so why why would you fight i there would be other people out there that would go oh no you'll be fine you know you can get in there but you know i i'm also not in the mindset of going in there and just to fucking lose just to say i've done it but and even just to win like you don't you don't want to go in there and win but feel like you only half-heartedly committed because then you'll feel like, well, what if I really tried and I really commit? So it's like, listen, I could chuck 90% of people off of a bridge with a parachute and they're going to be all right and they're going to land. Are they going to enjoy it? Are they going to respect it? Are they going to understand it? Probably not. Like, So if you've got enough attributes to get by, that's not the same as committing to a MMA fight and training like you want to be the best guy that you can be. And that's the difference, you know? Uh, that's exactly it. Being the best guy you can be. Yeah, that means that you, you, you can go in there and still lose, but you've, you've gone in there being like, okay, well, I left everything out there. You yeah. know, like, the guy was better than me. Yeah, yeah like, exactly, yeah. Right, and that's... it happens. Like that, that just happens. Like I, I've never fought in my life and felt like I was underprepared, ever. I fought people who I thought, fuck, like, I fought a guy in Brazil, um, he'd just come out of the UFC, and the rumour was, winner goes UFC, if he beats me, he goes back, if I win, I go UFC. His name was Junior Asuncao, his brother is Rafael Asuncao, who fought for the, um, the Bantamweight world title not long ago. So, yeah, it, like it was whoever goes, I fought him and I was like, right, don't go to the ground with this guy. Like you can knock him out with your boxing. You know that you're tied, but don't go to the floor. He's a BJJ world champion. You can hold your own, but it's the super place to be. And I had it so in my head and I move around and shoot a double leg, take him down, get the takedown, 
boom, fall straight into a guillotine. I'm de- defending the guillotine immediately. Next thing, he's taking my back, and I, all I could think straight away when he was on me was like, this is like rolling with Ped, my coach. I was like, I feel one step behind him. We didn't even start grappling it. And I immediately just felt one step behind him, you know, and just went completely to the the point where he was much better at me than me at jujitsu. He'd been doing jujitsu since he was four years old, like world champion. What? Why? Like I thought the guy was better than me. He got beat by me. I could walk away from the fight and I could say, huh, he was better than me. He subbed me a lot. I, I never was. I never went in that fight going. I wasn't prepared enough. I didn't do enough. And to do that, I can. I couldn't live with a loss like that. If I had a loss, thinking I should have been fitter, I should have trained harder, should that would yeah, I can I couldn't sleep. With that no, loss. I couldn't live with myself without going in it four hundred percent. But that's that's everything I've ever done. You know, yeah. like being being so young when I passed the selection for the parachute regiment, like I couldn't live with myself unless I passed out. You know, on on these fucking tests, and I'm still the same. I'm still now like. I know that I physically can't do some stuff, you know, like my restrictions of my, you know, my ankle and my fucking body that I have. I know there's things that I can't do, but I also now have to go, okay, I've got to a point when I can't fucking walk anymore. Now you can't fucking walk anymore. You know, like that's your limit. You know, I have to reach that point. I can't just get there and go, oh, I'm just a little bit sore today. You know, I'm just a little bit tired. It's like, no, no, you've, You've got to be a limit where you're like, hey, coach, I can't fucking walk to my car. That's yeah. not here. Yeah? yeah. I can't, like, I'm physically in pain. Like, I, I can't train. Yeah, like, that's my mindset. Yeah. Because yeah, everyone's got excuses. You're not, no, 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 there's nothing individual about you for having an excuse. Everyone's got an excuse. What's going to make you individual or separating from 90% of it is you're going to have the excuses and fuck it anyway I'm going. Like, yes. Yeah everyone's got excuses there's nothing unique no matter what excuse you can come up with you're not unique everyone's got an excuse you are quite unique if you say i've got all these excuses but fuck them i'm going yeah go training i'm done and that's the the big thing for me is it knowing that not like it's not all the oh but this hurts oh but you don't know i feel because that hurts everyone's got that i'm gonna do it anyway and that's gonna make me that's gonna separate me from you um how does so your injuries? You've said about them. I think you should maybe touch on your your uh, the incident that led to your injuries, especially because you've released some videos and stuff of it lately. Um, oh. So I know that you don't mind talking about it or going over it because you've released those videos. So yeah, no, like back in 2013, I was in Kamali, Turkey, which is like a, a cable car based jumping event, um, and then one of the guys, which funny enough is. We'll just go just just go back slightly. But do you remember I told you like the, there was a guy in my unit that had a poster on the wall and it was Dukes. Yeah. yeah. And that's like that image stuck with me and I wanted to do base jump because of that poster. Then obviously like years that later we went to this like world championship fucking base jumping event in Benidorm, Spain. Yeah. And then I don't know, maybe I think it was only like two or three years later actually. It wasn't that long. Yeah. But I was in the final stood next to dukes yeah and that's like the first time i met him and i'm looking there and i'm like fucking hell like two years ago i saw this poster of you on the wall being like that's what i want to do and now i'm stood right next to you competing against you yeah Yeah. 
and it, he he goes, oh, do you want to go first or me? And I was like, you go first, you know, like, I, you know, I, I was a bit nervous. Like I'm I'm jumping against, you know, when you you jump, what will they say when you make you, you know, you've made it when you you turn your heroes into your rivals. Yeah, yeah. and I had sort of like, wow, fuck, this is sick. So I was like, he jumped off anyway. He opened, he gave like a solid two second delay, opened, landed pretty, and from the above, it looked like he landed dead center of the target. And I was yeah. like, how am I going to fucking beat this kid? You know, like now, like I, whatever. So I had, I just expected that I was going to get a silver medal. Yeah, I was like, fuck it. Let's just go and have fun. Like, yeah. I can't win now. I'll just go and have fun. So I just like ran off, fucking beautiful body position, opened, flew in, landed, boom, dead center. I beat him by a centimeter. Yeah. Oh. And I was oh. like, <laughs> and I was just like, I think maybe because I had no pressure on me, I was so calm and so relaxed and so like, whatever, it fucking, you know, is the reason I fucking like won. Yeah, it was because I wasn't trying to focus on anything. I was just, uh, you know, whatever. And that's another skill that I brought to jujitsu. But anyway, the, uh, yeah, years later, then we go. So probably that was 2011, 2012. So 2000, a year later, we went. We were doing these base jumping events around the world, like Istanbul, Kamali, Benidorm, Tallinn in Estonia, yeah, Germany, all, all these different events. And one of them was in in uh, Turkey. So Dukes was a bit fucking hungover and or, or was too drunk or something to do a jump out of a microlight, yeah, a little tiny aircraft. So I'm sat outside eating breakfast. Yeah, it was like seven in the morning. I didn't get too drunk. And someone comes running. We, Dukes is too drunk. We need someone to jump out of the out of the plane. You know, we, we like someone out the uh, the microlight because we've got a film crew on the beach. Fuck it, we need to have this done. And I was like, Well, I got my wingsuit. I can do it. And he was like, All right, cool. So I go and grab my wingsuit. I reconfigure my gear. Jump in the mini bus. And we're pretty late now, anyway, because. Obviously, I had to get my wingsuit ready. We drive like 10, 15 minutes down the road. And I was like, stop, stop. And they're like, what's that? I said, I forgot my helmet. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you know what? Just keep going. Keep going. Yeah. And they drove another five minutes. And I was like, no, no, stop, stop. Let's turn around. I'm not jumping without my helmet. This is stupid. Yeah. And everyone hated me on the bus. And they're like, for fuck's sake, you know, how you would be. We're, we're yeah. late anyway. So we had to drive all the way back. I grabbed my helmet. We drove out. And I was like the shit person on the bus that day, you know, like, oh, we, you fucked up, you left your helmet. Yeah, I ended up going, okay, well, I'll go last, you know, and you guys make sure you get the jump because it's my fault. If I don't get a jump, it is what it is. I, didn't, I'm not, I get on the micro light, but I was always adamant that I wasn't going to land in the pontoon. There was like a pontoon in the middle of the river. I was going to land in the parking lot, just by it. And I thought, fuck it, that's where I'm going to land. So we checked it all out before we, we went up there. Anyway, I jumped, opened really high. I was like, that was a shit jump. Like it was so, I opened so high, it was ridiculous. And I came into land and as I was coming like 30 feet off the ground, I saw like this huge, like long grass. And I thought, fuck, that's not, I can't quite make the landing area, but I can see this long grassy field. And I thought, fuck it, I'll go for that. So I just did like a quick turn and as I'm like sinking it in, I'm, I can start seeing the boulders that are hidden by the grass that's growing in between all these huge fucking boulders. So coming in, I was like, okay, well, just relax. 
you know, you're fucking, you know, super complacent at this point as well. Because I was like, oh, you're you're fucking like accuracy fucking guru. You can land absolutely anywhere. So I like come in, I see a rock and I'm like, just land on top of the rock. Land on top of this boulder and you're going to be fine. Yeah, I come into the boulder and as I land on the boulder, I slip with one foot. Yeah, I have a bit more forward speed than I anticipated. My foot fell in between the two boulders and obviously the forward speed carried on going. So my ankle was trapped. Yeah, so as it got stuck there, it snapped the ankle pretty much like 90 degrees. Wow. Yeah, and I fell and I was flaring. I broke my wrist, my femur, my elbow, my shoulder, and then smashed my head so hard that the helmet had this huge fucking pointy uh, bit inside it that actually cut my head. Yeah, which goes back to can you imagine if I didn't have that fuck if I didn't have that moment of wanting to go back in the car? Yeah, yeah that would oh, I'd have been dead. That'd been another statistic. Yeah, yeah, so it was like everyone hating me in that moment was actually acceptable because actually, like uh, you know, like, the helmet saved my life. Um, but then I was alone by myself on that mountain for quite some fucking time because all the film crew were down the bottom. They couldn't see me in the parking lot or where I was. I wasn't quite there. So I'm screaming for help. I, I don't remember screaming at all. Like I just remember like wait, sort of waking up going, what the fuck? I've got to deal with this. I remember like pulling out my ankle from the rock. Yeah. And it just dropping 90 degrees. And I was like, fuck, that's disgusting. Yeah. And as you like, I start assessing myself, you know, I'm a medic as well. So, you know, like looking over the injuries you have and whatever else you're like, fuck. But the pain in my femur was actually like, it was quite high up. It's actually like the femur head. So it's like this bit broke off. Yeah. But it felt like my pelvis. So I'm starting to think, oh, you break your pelvis. You've got like a time limit, you know? And I remember like looking at my watch, I put an hour time limit on and I was like, if you're still here in an hour, you broke your femur, not your pelvis. Yeah. Like I was that was like my mindset straight away i was like fuck so i start like looking over the injuries i have and i was like fuck i need to start crawling to the uh to the parking lot because people don't really know where i am they knew i was going to land in the parking lot but if i'm not there uh the turkish people as well don't speak english they're not going to start and don't know anything about they're not going to start looking around the mountainside for me so i started to crawl but my canopy was caught over a tree yeah so you know as you like you crawl and then your lines are like taut, but you can't go anymore. Yeah. So I was like, like this. And I couldn't really quite understand what was going on, but trying to, you know, crawl nine feet was already a fucking pain in the ass. Yeah. yeah. And by the time I got there, you know, like I laid there. I remember like it was underneath a tree. I laid there on the rock and I was like, all right, just fucking relax for a minute. Yeah. And I relaxed and I was like, okay, just get your breath back and you can start crawling again soon. Yeah, so I like sat there and I thought, oh, you better say something just in case you do die and you need to fucking, you know, whatever else. So my GoPro is still rolling and I'm like, okay, well, what, what do you say when you're fucking about to die? Yeah, so I thought, oh, you know, Psalm 23, you know, as you walk through the valley, the shadow of death, you know, and I was like, you know, grew up as a real Catholic boy back in England. So I was like, you know what, I better fucking say something just in case the big man is real. Yeah, so I was like, as you walk through the valley, the shadow of death, and I started <laughs> rapping the Coolio song. I sang the <laughs> Coolio song. 
If Julio is your god, you are going to a better kind of heaven anyway. That's my kind of heaven. So, so I rapped the whole Julio song, and I started laughing to myself, and then I started to try and crawl a little bit more, and then, uh, yeah, and then the, I, the EMTs came up on scene, and then they helped me out. It was another four and a half hour drive to get out, but yeah, the injuries are pretty fucking severe. Um, I got a replacement elbow, plate in my shoulder, I broke my femur, I had a screws in my ankle, so it was, yeah, it was pretty fucking messed up. Um, how, long, uh, how long was rehab? Six months. Yeah, I, I think by the seventh month I was skydiving. Six months I was win- in the wind tunnel. Seven months I was skydiving. Eight months base jumping. So wow, it was pretty fucking quick recovery. Um, I wasn't recovered though. Yeah, that was. Uh, oh yeah. I definitely weren't recovered by that point. Um, but yeah, it was pretty messed up. And the fact that every time I now hear Coolio's fucking song, <laughs> Gangster's Paradise, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> like, I, I have like flashbacks as soon as I hear that song. <laughs> Man, it's like, that's like, that's as bad, bad in injuries as you can get, basically, without dying, really, and base jumping. If you get those injuries... If you get injured in base jumping, you're one of the lucky guys anyway. That's just like, oh, you got injured. Well, you're a lucky dude. But to get as badly injured as you did is pretty much as badly injured as you can be without dying. Yeah, I, I would say so. But it's it's also continued the pain now for, you know, I wake up every single morning in pain. Yeah. Everything I do is my pain tolerance has gone up because of it. Yeah. yeah. And actually, it's kind of good to like my toughness has gone up. My pain threshold has gone up. Yeah, because every single morning I've got to get out of bed, I step on my ankle. I'm like, oh, fuck, that hurts. Yeah, stretch out my shoulder, that fucking hurts. Stretch out my arm, that fucking hurts. You know, like, you, yeah. you, every, your hip, your fucking hips aren't there. You know, it's like, yeah, every day you just wake up, you're like, fuck, if, you know, like, I hear people get injured and you're like, these are injuries that I've sustained that I will always feel for the rest of my life. And I believe that they're only going to get worse with age. Yeah. I've right as no friend to a titanium hip, mate. Yeah. No way. So, yeah, that's why I'm going fucking berserk right now in my 30s to get all my active lifestyle out, you know, like get all my base jumping, get all my fighting, get all, all my sports, everything, skiing, everything I can do for as long and as aggressively as possible so that when I get to the point where my body physically can't do it anymore, I can turn around and go, I've lived seven lives. You know, yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm pretty fucking content. I, I'm pretty content with my life as it is. Was there, part of you that, uh, was there a part of you that wanted to, to quit? Was there, you led in the hospital bed? Did you think, I'm fucking done, I'm not doing this again? Or uh, Yeah, I think I, I, I... No, actually in the hospital, that was my drive to fucking get better. Yeah, it was yeah. to jump again. Um, I think I went back to like 2015 or something. I quit base jumping. Yeah, mm-hmm. three days. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then I was jumping again. Uh, but no, fucking, yeah, it was fucking great. Yeah, no, <laughs> that, was my, uh, that was my drive to fucking, uh, to get back into the sport. To get back on it. Get back what's on your, uh, What's your advice to people who are listening who want to base jump and stuff now? What would you... Uh don't do it (laughs) yeah 
That's pretty much the same advice I always give is don't do it. And people always assume that you're trying to be this guru who doesn't want other people doing it and thinks you're better than them. No, no, no. It's just because it's really fucking stupid. And for a lot of people, it's not going to give you any of the rewards that you think is going to give you. Yeah. I mean, if if you are going to do it, like I would always say that don't do it. Uh, stick to skydiving. That'll give you just the just the same amount of buzz and 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 drive. But if you are gonna do it, my advice would be to do it correctly and it, don't blaze your own path because you know this isn't this isn't places where you can blaze your own path and and reinvent the wheel. You know, like if you're gonna do it, build the foundation properly. You know, like build a solid foundation so you've always got something to work back to in case anything does go wrong. The reason that like my life was fucking saved was because the foundation that I had built from the parachute regiment of being stubborn and determined and fucking, you know, like you've got to sort your own life out. Like you've done this, you need to do this. Like I reverted back to what my foundation was and it wasn't fucking base jumping. I didn't revert back to base jumping when I got injured. I reverted back to the the parachute regiment and what it taught me about mental robustness and, and how to, you know, be like okay you you have to deal with this so yeah. you if you are going to be like there's that song you know if you're going to be dumb you've got to be tough you know mm-hmm. like there's there's nothing about it like if you are going to do stupid things understand you will get hurt what severity mm-hmm. i don't know but you will get hurt doing this yeah, yeah the same as fighting same as like mountain biking the same as skiing all these things there's so many variables that will fuck you up yeah mm-hmm. so you need to you need to be prepared that this shit will happen. But yeah. even when everything goes right, things go wrong. So when I was in, when I jumped, um, I jumped the palms in Las Vegas, me and Donnie Redman. And uh, so everything's good. We, we go up, we pick the lock to get into the pen. The plan was knock on all the doors. When someone answers, say, do you want to see something cool? We'll jump off your balcony. I was like, this is, this is going to work. Nobody answers. What? How is nobody in in a fucking in a casino in Vegas? So anyway, we pick the lock to the penthouse. We go in. It's massive, like thirty thousand square feet or something. Like a pool, a gym, a bar. So we spend like forty minutes, an hour, just sat chilling, talking, drinking yeah. out the bar, having a laugh, and then we climb onto the roof. Pick it. He's like first or second. I was like, I'll go first. He's like, okay. So I'm on the ledge, and the ledge. It's like really thin bits of wire that we have to climb over, not like a railing. So I'm over, I'm holding on to him. He's like, dude, dude, cop, cop. So now I'm waiting, like reaching behind me. I'm handheld as well. So I'm reaching behind me. I've got my pilot shoot because I'm team handheld. So I handheld as much yeah. as I can. I'm team handheld. And he's like, so I'm waiting. I'm like four or five minutes. I've got the video and the cop's still there. I was like, he's got like a second and I'm going. I've had enough of this. Jump, exit, everything's perfect. Boom, land. Donnie's come. I land. Look back. Donnie's coming in to land on my dope. I'm like, woohoo, here he comes. He lands and something doesn't sound right. I'm like, dude, you okay? And he's on his knees. I was like, you all right? He's like, yeah, I'm all right. I was like, okay, cool. So I start packing up. Justin brings my van around. Don is still on the floor. He's like, dude, I'm not all right. I was like, what the fuck? I go over. He's landed funny. Compound fractured his oh. uh, legs. I'm like, fuck. So he lays down. I've got his leg and he's just dripping with blood. We put him in the back of the van. Drive to the hospital, pins, screws, plated, like, asked to have, like, nine months off work or something stupid. I'm like, and that everything went right, just to land in. He had, he had dinner shoes on, she'd been at a wedding. 
Yeah. And when it landed, it, the foot must have just slipped or something, and just, boom, compound fracture. Oh, so yeah. even when everything goes right... It can go wrong. It can yeah. just the last, like, the last little fucking bit, the bit that we take for granted, that little bit of flair. So, yeah. And also when people speak to me about, dude, I love to do base jump, it must be so cool. Show them that it's not cool. Like The only people who think it's cool are the people whose opinions aren't going to matter. Because you think it's cool, but in three, four minutes time, you're never going to think of base jumping again. Base jumpers generally don't think other base jumpers are cool. They right. just look at what they do and they think that's like, like the way that you do it isn't quite good. Everyone just sees each other as an equal. So the being cool is not even a factor in being a base jumper. No. Or, or people are just jealous in our sport a lot, I find. you know. And, and you, I remember you saying something to me once about uh, people, what, you know, tr- Oh, fuck you had a friend or something that wanted a certain top wingsuiter to to like his videos yeah. and you were like and we're just like why why do i want this person to like his videos he's, like he's never gonna like them yeah, yeah. and it's, there's people in the base jump world that will just never press like on any yeah. of my posts and i'm okay with that because they're just as, they're just i realize they're just as loserish as i am <laughs> and listen, if you're gonna die base jumping you better know that you were base jumping for you yeah because i know and you'll know more than me but i know base jumpers who have died because they haven't been doing that jump for them it was for money or because to do something or like you have got to be if you're doing something where you're accepting death is a a high probability in the sport you have got to be doing this shit for you. Yeah. You know? I, I've, I, I had that same thought and I gave up jumping antennas for that reason. Yeah. Like I don't jump antennas anymore. Yeah. yeah. I used to do it all the time. Are you and, sure it's not just because of the climb? Yeah. It's just just enough to make me give up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, in my mind, I always, I used to jump antennas all the time in the UK. You know, I'd be running around. Oh, it's a fucking antenna. Run up, climb, jump. Yeah. But, after my injury i realized like i I look back on my injury and crash and i go okay i'm actually kind of content with what happened you know i mean i'm i wish it didn't happen but it actually happened for a reason you know it calmed it calmed my ego down you know i was on a i was on a fucking conor mcgregor warpath you know like i was a cunt you know like i was not a nice person at that point in my life you know i was on this like it's me, 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 and I'm the fucking best, you know? And, and I was on this, like, on this road that was going to lead me to, I don't know what, what it could have led me to, but I was being an egotistical wanker. Yeah, yeah. It, it stopped me at that point and changed my direction, but I was also content with how it happened. Like, I was like, okay, the weather was great. I did it for the right reasons. Even though I was still doing it for, like, the likes, the follows, the fucking videos the the admiration of people that didn't matter you know i was also deep down still doing it for me because i had the love for the sport i just also had a love for making films and making uh social media posts and all this shit yeah but i had the drive for it i said but what would have happened if i was on the bottom of a building and i'd be like i'd still be content with it what about an antenna i was like no i couldn't be lying on a grassy field looking at an antenna going yeah this is acceptable like I'd be like, this is dumb, you know. Yeah. So at that moment is when I stopped jumping, jumping antennas, yeah. And that was my, my, 
my thing. I don't know. I jump cranes or jump anything else. I just a dark field in the middle of the night, jumping an antenna. Yeah, yeah. That same sex appeal as fucking bouncing off a fucking cliff, you know. So I agree. No, I do agree, mate. But um, so you recently, anyway, mate, your your uh, your small short film has come out. Um, what's it called again? Between wind and water. Between wind and water. That's it. Watched it. Loved it. Absolutely brilliant. You happy with it? Yeah, we're pretty stoked with it, actually. Um, yeah, it's kind of cool because Squamish means uh, mother of the wind, people of the sacred water. Oh, yeah? yeah. That's what Squamish actually means by, like, the native sort of thing. So when, I'm, when we're talking about, like, the air and, you know, me flying a wingsuit in the air, me fucking kayaking down the river... And then doing every sport in between that, yeah, between wind and water seemed like the best fucking title, you know. Great title, yeah. Yeah, especially when that's what Squamish means, you know. So. Yeah, exactly. And you had a lot of input in it, the editing and stuff like that as well, or yeah, we had whoever like, was like, what? How much was your input, and how much was this is the vision? I'll let you deal with the artistic side. I'll be the guy who, you know. No, we, both. It was a passion project for both me and John. Yeah, so we we I think we, we pretty much had, you know, fifty fifty say on what was gonna be said, how it was gonna be written and what how the shots were gonna be. He did more of the artistic like this you know, like the time lapses and, and everything else like that. But if we we argued plenty of times being like, No, no, this is shit and it I was like, This makes me sound like a dick. Yeah, <laughs> take that out. <laughs> you know, so there were times we were like, definitely, he was like, no, no, but this is good. So we, there's a lot of compromise in that film where I thought I sounded like an idiot and he kept it in the film and actually it turns out really well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's good to have people that aren't in the sport who can see something, you know, because I'm trying to portray it as a base jumper, you know, but then he's trying to tell a story to non-base jumpers. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, you know, we have to find this middle ground. So actually, it was it was kind of fun to film. And then the way that we had it all laid out, and you know, it all sort of flowed nicely. So we're pretty pretty stoked with the film. But yeah, it's not like I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it, mate. You should be like you should be proud of it. It came out really well. I think it came like it portrayed you pretty much as I know you. And then the little bits at the end when everyone's talking about who you are as a person, I was like. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the guy I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking yeah, like it. Yeah, it it was pretty much uh, pretty much spot on and, and and most genuine I've been in a in a in a documentary. I think um, I'm pretty genuine in, in all my films as much as I possibly can be. But that one, I was just like, fuck it, like this is me, like this is my that was my tenth year in the sport. Like last year, I did ten years in base jumping, which don't rarely fucking happens for people. So I was like, "Fuck it, let's make a film that is a hundred percent legit. Let's make it no, no, no beating around the bush. Like this is me. So that's what yeah. we tried to go out and do." But, I really enjoyed it. And p- where can people find? Is that on YouTube or anything? Because I got it off of a link off of your your me- social media. So yeah, it's on. Uh, it's on my IGTV on Instagram, James yeah. Lewis. Um, and then there's YouTube on John Kelly Media. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll repost it like 
the day after you post this video. Yeah, so I'll, uh, because I've got to do the video editing, because you're shit on computers. <laughs> so, because now I've got to do the video editing, I'll probably do this tomorrow and get this out tomorrow now. Um, and then I'll let you know when it's going out. Of course, I'll tag you and everything. But um, if you want to send me over any links, I can put them in the description as well, I guess. Yeah, so, links in, yeah. Yeah, but um, dude, listen, I'm going to wrap this up just because it's like nearly 11 o'clock here. It's been awesome, and I know we'll just keep talking and talking. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, yeah, thanks, again, hit people up. How do they find you social media, mate? Everything is Jamie Flynn base from Twitter, the YouTube, PlayStation, fucking everything. Yeah, it's Jamie Flynn base. <laughs> if you're listening to this, links will be there anyway. So just follow them. Um, go watch Jamie's videos of his crash uh, on YouTube. They're there. Watch videos of his flying past christ the redeemer everything he does is available on youtube social media so go and check all those out honestly get a picture of who jamie is in your mind if you're only listening to this on audio and it'll be completely different um to, to who he actually is so go away have a look at all those things dude i'm over the moon that a i bumped into you at, uh, at a base jumping in skydiving event a few years ago and even happier that we stayed in touch Fucking right, mate. It's fucking awesome. And you know what? I got to thank you for getting me into jujitsu because I think you're one of the guys that managed to fucking make it happen. So, oh, yeah. thank you, buddy. I knew, <laughs> I knew you'd love it. And look at you now. You're, you're steaming it. So perfect. Yeah. Um, mate, enjoy lockdown. Stay in touch. And yeah. uh, we'll get together again soon. Take it easy, mate. Cheers, dude.